The following program may contain material or language that may be considered objectionable. Parental guidance is suggested. Welcome to another edition of Unplugged right here on the SNS 
Radio Network. As always, I am Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. And yes, welcome to my house. A lot to talk about on the program tonight. We will be running down what happened this past weekend from NXT TakeOver to the Hall of Fame to WrestleMania 32. And of course, what happened last night on Monday Night Raw. But I don't do this gig by myself, folks. So joining me, my co-host, each and every time we do this little shindig, he is from the NYC. He is Bronxzilla Tony J. Mirabella. The only part of that intro that I really heard was NXT. The rest was like, because out of everything I saw the, these past four days, and I know the IWC boo birds are going to start, oh, you're making comparisons. NXT was a damn good fucking show, with the exception of one thing, which I'm sure we'll get into. Oh, we will definitely cover everything, all points in between. It was uh, one hell of a weekend for wrestling fans in general, being the WrestleMania weekend. Uh, God, I wish I had been in Dallas this weekend. That was my original plan before all this stuff with Harmony happened. Uh, but you know what? After seeing the arena at WrestleMania and and the um, <coughs> alleged 101,000 people that were in the stadium, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, uh, I'm kind of glad I didn't go. But we'll, we'll talk about the alleged 101,000 number a little later on the program as well. But, uh, I mean, fuck it. Right out of the gate, man. How you been? Uh, better. Uh, today is like the first day I've been able to talk semi-normally. And if my voice drops in and out a little bit, guys, I apologize. I, um, I found out yesterday I have the sinuses of a cocaine addict. Jesus. And it's like, I don't know. It, it must run in my family because my mother had it and my uncle has it. And it's like just, you know, today's the first day I'm at, in about six months. I'm actually able to breathe to breathe and he gave me a whole bunch of medication that's helping and i gotta go for some more tests hopefully you know everything will turn out okay but i'm not sure yet i still have more work to be done but i'm I'm a lot hell of a lot better than i've been for about oh three weeks well when i talked to you the other day your voice was pretty raspy you actually do sound a lot better today well, yeah, they found out my vocal cords are a little irritated, and, and that's a little worrisome because when you're a smoker, they've got to check and make sure, which uh, I'm, like, ready to tap out on this shit. I, like, I've learned my lesson. Well, you know, I know that if Harmony were, were down here with me right now, she'd probably say you should vape because that's right. what she does. It's not smoking. It, it might be the best alternative for you, bro. Yeah, yeah, cheaper, and in the long run, it won't, you know, kill you, but... You know, it, it's it's just good to be back. You know, I, I actually went out last night to make sure I got my meds a day early because I wanted to be ready for tonight because it was like this whole weekend, you and I talked over the weekend, like we've got to do an unplugged. And you weren't sure, you know, with the way I was feeling if I'd be able to be here. And I'm just glad that we're able to do it because there was so much. I mean, God, if you add it all up, I mean, what are we talking, like 15 hours of wrestling? Yeah, well, maybe even more than that. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit overwhelming. It, it was a bit much. Uh, I just want to give everybody a quick update on what's going on with Harmony. As most of you know, she went through two spinal fusions in the last year, 
and uh, she's about to probably have another one, and this time it will be much more extensive because it just doesn't seem like it's working. She's still in a lot of pain, so she's got a CT scan next week. They're going to check it out. Then she's going to see the surgeon, and based on that recommendation, more than likely she's going to have to go back, and they're going to have to take the hardware out. They're going to have to do a more extensive surgery that's going to put a bigger cage in there, and supposedly the surgeon says that this one will make it work because they're forcing the uh, fusion to work. I, I want to know why we didn't do that in the first place, but apparently it's it's rare that this happens. So I don't know. Um, you know, they'll have to go through her back. They'll have to go through her stomach. So it's going to be, in my opinion, uh, a hell of a recovery because she hasn't had a recovery yet. She's been in constant pain, you know, ever since the first procedure into the second procedure. So, you know, I, I really don't have any other updates to give you other than it looks like she's probably going to have to have a, a pretty major surgery in the very near future. Well, see, the thing is, a lot of times with these doctors, like, I don't like when they try to give you a, a shortcut alternative. And I, I know for a lot of people that's the way to go because I understand people want to get back to work and I understand people want to get back to their lives. But, I mean, you, you look at, you know, people who've had some of these shortcut surgeries and it doesn't always work. Now, with, in Harmony's case, it wasn't a shortcut. They just didn't want to have to do this big, big surgery out of the gate. But if it's a choice, you know, give your patient that choice. Say, look, we could do one huge surgery that we're sure is going to work or we could do a smaller one, which might work. You know, I don't like that. Well, given the choice, we would have we would have done the extensive one because Harmony is that 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 percentage of, of patients that something always goes wrong. Like, you know, something like she's if there's a medical problem, she'll find it. I mean, she is in that that very small percentage of people that have to have major procedures and have to have the most uh extensive one so i mean again once i find out more i'll let you guys know but that's what we're looking at right now is another surgery and hopefully please god this one works and we can get her recovered and we can all move on and uh you know get back to to normal life yeah absolutely because you guys been going through it for a while so i wish wish you all the best i mean i'm hoping that somehow some way she goes next week and she won't need this. I'm, I'm praying oh, no, for that. No, that, that, that's not going to happen. The way her pain is, there, there's no way. There's no way that this. Again, I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure she's going to have to have it again because she's not recovering. Now, I'm trying to be the optimist here, but unfortunately, you know, I'm not with you guys, so I, I don't. You know, I'm not privy to exactly what's you know going on. Nor nor should I be. I mean, it's it's your guys' business, but yeah. that sucks. No doubt. Well, let's let's transition out of the sucktitude and get into something that's worth talking about. And that, of course, was uh, this past Friday night, April 1st, Dallas, Texas, NXT TakeOver, the biggest TakeOver that they've had to date because it was in Dallas. And what a card we had. I was looking forward to this show and uh, they delivered and they did not disappoint, in my opinion, started the night off. With the tag, the NXT Tag Team Championship, the Revival, um, Dash and Dawson defending their titles against the number one contenders, American Alpha, which is Chad Gable and Jason Jordan. 
and what a fantastic match. There was one botch in the match, but they recovered fine from it, and I just I felt like this was probably the best tag match I saw all weekend. It could possibly have been match of the night on NXT because I remember I was watching it with a few of the guys in chat, and I was like, damn. You know, this, this match is, like, unbelievable. And I, even though the whole card was good, it, it may well have been not just tag match of the weekend, but match of the night for TakeOver. It was I, phenomenal. I'm going to disagree with you on that one. I'll tell you what match of the night was in a minute. But this, this was a close second, I have to say. Uh, I just enjoyed, you know, I enjoy tag team wrestling. I'm a big fan of that. And I don't really feel like we get a very good tag team division on the main roster. And I felt like these two teams delivered. I think I think Gable and Jordan are future superstars. To me, Chad Gable has money written all over him. And I think Jason Jordan, you know, even more so. I think that Gable could be the breakout star of that team. But once they get to the main roster, you know, Jordan has that uh, that uh, that physique that a Vince McMahon would would love. He's a big guy. He's very athletic. He was hitting drop kicks where he was jumping six feet in the fucking air. I mean, just a thing of beauty. And Gable is such a, a a maestro on the mat. That guy is just amazing. He has so much charisma and so much talent. He reminds me of a very young Kurt Angle. And I see these two guys going, you know, hopefully someday to the main roster and, and, and taking their talents to the moon. But on this particular night... American Alpha became your new tag team champions after a blind tag to Jason Jordan, who, uh, or excuse me, Jason Jordan with the blind tag to Chad Gable. He throws, um, I can't remember if it was Dasher Wilder in the air, Dasher Dawson in the air, and they finished with the, I can't remember what they call their finisher, but it's a bridging pin. Jordan throws him up, Gable catches him, and bridges into the pin. Fantastic. One, two, three, new tag team champions. Yeah, I mean, it was really good, and I'm just, you know, I, I always dread, though. It's like we sit here all the time, and we talk about, I mean, uh, just to go back to something, the drop kicks. I remember seeing, I'm like, damn, this guy can throw a hell of a drop kick. You know, I mean, Randy Orton, like, you know, great drop kicks. And I just dread, though, when we always mention about these guys going up to the main roster because it's worked for a few it's kind of fizzled out for others through no fault of their own. It's like, you know, it's almost to me, man, screw developmental. Just pay these guys what you pay the main roster and make it a separate brand so we don't have to ruin these guys. That's just how I feel. And you're not wrong for feeling that way. I, I Again, I've said it many times before. I feel like Vince McMahon is out of touch and kind of delusional. He's never been a big fan of tag team wrestling. And he's shown that over the last 20 years. He's really phased out his tag team division. Um, it is what it is. I, again, I think both of these teams are amazing. They're two of my favorite teams in all of wrestling, and they just happen to be on NXT. Uh, the other favorite team of mine just went up to the main roster, but we'll talk about that when we get to the Raw segment. Um, but anyway, our second match of the night uh, is... Correct me if I'm wrong, Baron Corbin and the debuting Austin Aries. Oh, I believe so. It's Friday seems like last month with all the wrestling we've seen. Um, I believe you're right. That was the second match. And and 
I don't know how you're going to react to this. And it's quite possible you may disagree because you look at wrestling a little different than me. You see things that I don't see. But I thought this match was like really lackluster. That, that's just my opinion. These two didn't seem to mesh well together. I don't know what it was. It, I'm not saying it was like horrific, but for an NXT quality match, I was like, ugh. Well, you know, I'll say this. I, I didn't think it was that great a match. I thought it was a decent match for Baron Corbin. I thought, in all honesty, Austin Aries pretty much made him look really good. I don't dislike Baron Corbin, but I don't think he's that good. I mean, there are certain things he does that I really like. I love his gimmick that he's a guy that fucking hates people from the indies. You know, I, I know he had a match with Apollo Crews uh, at one of the takeover specials last this past year. And at one point, he's beating the crap out of him, and he, he yells to him, he, go back to ROH, which is funny because he was never in ROH. But, he, he you know, I, I just I love that attitude about him. He's like, he doesn't give a damn about anybody but himself. He hates people from the indies. That's why I thought Austin Aries was a good pick here. Because Austin Aries obviously came from an independent. I know people were like, no, man, he came from TNA. Yeah, TNA was a glorified independent, folks. It's been a glorified independent since 2002 when it started. Doesn't matter if they had a TV deal or not. They've always been a fucking independent company. Yeah, but you have to remember, TNA is the Marvel Universe to Batman. It doesn't exist. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, like, it's like this guy for the last 10 years has just been in, you know, wrestling in gymnasiums or whatever, and we just discovered him on the street one day. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, I, I, I did like, you know, uh, a lot of Baron Corbin's offense in this. Uh, I, I, I think he's, he's a good big guy, and... I don't know what it was, but the match was a little bit off. I think the best part of the match was the finish, not just because it was over, but because he goes for the end of days, and uh, Austin Aries was able to turn it into a pinning predicament and rolled him up for the one, two, three. Uh, very surprising loss. Baron Corbin was shocked, but a fantastic debut for Austin Aries. Maybe Corbin will come along. I mean, I think, I mean, he's like, we always talk about guys who have skill in the ring but can't talk. He's the opposite. I mean, he's got the talking down. I think he has to work on his stuff a little bit, but maybe he will get better. But I, I definitely like his attitude. You're right. I think he could be something, you know, a decent mid-card type guy, upper mid-card type guy. We'll have to see. Time will tell. Our, uh, our next match on the TakeOver special, in my opinion, was Match of the Night. Maybe even match of the weekend as we saw the debut of Shinsuke Nakamura taking on the heart and soul of NXT, Sami Zayn. Uh, if you're not familiar with uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, you weren't the only one. I, I only saw a couple of his matches over the last little bit. I remember seeing Wrestle Kingdom last year um, back when Jeff Jarrett was promoting that and had it on pay-per-view and i remember watching his match and was very impressed with him i know jim ross has talked ad nauseum uh how impressed he is with with shinsuke and how big a star shinsuke could be if he ever signed with the wwe and uh so this was really one of my maybe third or fourth time seeing uh nakamura and i wasn't disappointed i think the guy's very charismatic uh he's the king of strong style obviously they've they brought strong style to the wwe and nxt right now 
uh, I, I was just I was in awe. I thought these guys worked their asses off. Both of them had great offense. Uh, there were some really good spots in the match. At one point, Sami Zayn does get uh, Nakamura up for his his blue thunder bomb, uh, but in the end, he got uh, hit with some knees to the back of the head, and uh, then he was hit with the the former move that used to be known as the boa ma- I, I can't pronounce that right, and I can't remember what they're calling it now. But he hits him with that knee, and uh, it's it's an easy one, two, three for Shinsuke Nakamura, who made his debut. And uh, I'm looking forward to what they can do with Shinsuke in, in NXT. Now, I don't know if you know, have these two ever wrestled before in another promotion? See, I don't know. I, I, I'm not, you know, I, I'm the last guy in the world you should ask that to because I don't do a lot of independent, uh, I don't follow a lot of independent wrestling anymore. Because it looked to me, because I found, you know, I know it, it was his debut, Nakamura, and I'm like, you would think these guys had wrestled each other 60 fucking times before. And maybe That's maybe they cool. had. Maybe they had. I think his finisher now is called the uh, Kinshasa. The Kinshasa. That's what it is. That's what he's calling uh, the former uh, Boami. The Kinshasa. Uh, okay. See, that? now I'm the wrong guy for that because I can't remember the name of any finisher. I'm like, holy shit, that was cool. <laughs> People in the chat room are telling me what it's called. I'm like, I don't care. It's cool. Yeah, I... Yeah, th- this match, you're right. It, it probably could have came in as match of the night. I just, I know the tag match was excellent, but this was definitely, I mean, Zayn is, oh, God, I hope they do right by him because he is, like, amazing, amazing. And this Nakamura guy, th- this this whole story, you know, that's what, what got me, those strikes that he was hitting Zayn with. I was like, God damn. Oh, yeah, some stiff fucking kicks going on there, man, like, the strikes were amazing. Uh, again, I'm not real familiar with a lot of his work. I've only been seeing, you know, I've only seen three or four matches of his, but I'm impressed with what I've seen so far. And I think that he's got a big future, uh, not only in NXT, but he's got, I to me, he's got that charisma, you know, and, and they keep describing him as a cross between a, a Freddie Mercury and uh, Michael Jackson being two of his, his influences. And I see that. He, he kind of does have that rock star swagger. Uh, he's, just, he's a very ig- enigmatic guy. And, and I think that's going to translate well once, once he does make it up to the main roster. As long as Vince McMahon doesn't look at him and say, All right, Kinzuki, how you doing, buddy? Good to see you back in the WWE. Kinzuki? What the fuck? Kinzuki Sasaki. Don't you remember him? Vaguely. <laughs> yeah, it, it was... Well, look, they have never, they have never done Oriental wrestlers well in the WWE. I mean, like, Tajiri was a fucking houseboy to Regal. I mean, yeah. you know, then you had, uh, Ken, in, uh, what was it, Kinzo Suzuki. That's what I'm thinking. Kinzo Suzuki. Who was the one? Indeed. Oh, that's Funaki. Funaki, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, even Takamichinoku didn't really go very far in that company and he was a, a, a highly touted uh you know prospect he was a big deal in japan and, and you know I, I part of me is scared that they're gonna they're gonna ruin him when he gets to the main roster but there's just something about him i i, I think he'll be okay imagine if they make him come out dressed as michael jackson with the fuck and his finishers he slaps the guy with the fucking glove yeah, I, I think his 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 uh, main roster debut and, and tenure would be short lived. I don't think that's going to happen. Michael, I, you know what? 
Wait, Makula Jahaka. They'll call him. Fucking no, no, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I think Triple H will be behind this guy once, once he gets to the main roster, and hopefully Vince won't be there anymore. I don't know. I, you know, we can dream, right? Yeah, hopefully. But, you know, not only did I think this was match of the night, I thought it was match of the weekend. I'll, I'll be real honest with you. Of all, of all the wrestling that I saw this weekend, I, my favorite match had to be Nakamura and Sami Zayn followed by a triple threat women's match at WrestleMania. To me, those were the two highlights of my weekend. Bar none. But we'll, we'll talk more about that when we get to WrestleMania. Uh, next up, following this match, was really hard for the, for the two women in NXT as Bayley defended her NXT Women's Championship against Asuka, who I still want to call Asuka, I keep calling her that. I just can't get out of the habit. Anyway, this was a, this was a good match. Unfortunately, it followed Nakamura and, and Zayn, and there were parts of it that, that was very familiar. Uh, seemed like it was almost right out of the, the match that happened before them. Uh, in the end, Bailey just you know couldn't uh, get away from, from Asuka, and she was pretty much choked out with the chicken wing and uh, passed out. So... New champion, new women's champion, Asuka, who I think has been a buzzsaw in the women's division. And I'm sure that Bailey will get her rematch. But I think this is going to be interesting to see what happens to the NXT women's division uh, with Asuka now firmly in command of that title. You know, I got a few things to say about this. First of all, the more I look at Bailey, I realize that they have. Finally, and maybe I'm sure you can appreciate this as being the father of three girls, how they've gotten this demographic with her. There's nothing about her that is in any way like a diva. She doesn't wear the skimpy outfits. She doesn't. She's not annoying. She's not like one of the total divas chicks who sometimes I just want to slap the shit out of. Not that I condone that. She's just that innocent she's she's actually a throwback bailey's an 80s baby face it's before we had anti-heroes it's before we had you know heels crossing the line into being good she's just a true what they call a white meat fucking baby face who the little girls love and even the adults love and i hope that they realize the demographic she can be i don't want to see her one day on total divas gossiping i don't want to see her coming out or modeling for any magazines she should be kept as innocent as possible it is a perfect demographic and i love the way she lost i read some people bitching but that's classic because she didn't really quit she didn't get pinned she just she had all the heart in the world but the bigger better bitch won and now she's got to dig down deep, which the announcers are going to say. Bailey's got to dig down deep to come back and beat Asuka, who I think they have booked as a monster. She, she's almost, she's not as big, but she's almost as intimidating as Kong with that evil smile. And just, she has that whole beauty combined with evil. It's just, she's a great fucking character, Asuka. And I enjoyed both. I enjoyed the match. Again, not even it was a good match, but not so much for that. For how great their characters are, 
It was great. It was really David versus Goliath. No, it, well, yeah. I mean, I would say David versus Goliath. Not size-wise. Not size-wise, yeah. But, I mean, you're right. As far as Asuka being that, that buzzsaw that just basically tore through the women's division and, uh, you know, gave multiple beatings to the likes of, uh, of Emma and uh, Dana Brooke and everybody who got in her way and, you know, earned her spot as the number one contender. And both of these girls were babyfaces. It's not like one was heel, one was babyface. This was the double babyface match. And you're right on the money when you talk about Bailey. She is a role model for young girls. She is, you know, a white meat babyface, as you put. And she is a printing press for money when she gets to the main roster because she will gravitate to the young fans, the young girls who want to be wrestlers one day or who watch the show and, and see that women can do just as good as the men can. Bailey is the catalyst for that once she gets there. And I think she will be fucking huge when she gets to the main roster. Well, yeah, and as a parent, you look at her, you know, you look at some of the other divas, and not all of them, they've gotten away from this, thank God. But you used to look at some of the other divas and, like, some of them are stuck up. You know, some of them are all about themselves. And maybe as a mother or a father, you, you know, I don't want my my kid emulating that. But Bailey's safe. She's, she's almost like the female John Cena, you know? Uh, that's she, great comparison. Great comparison. You know, and that's if they do it right, that's what she could be in the main roster because she's going to sell T-shirts. She's going to sell those stupid wavy arm things, which for some reason creep me out. It, it's she's perfect. You know, they don't need to change a thing. I wish I could just go to your house and put up those wavy things in your bathroom to fuck with you. No, fuck. That. I don't like I don't know. Isn't there something creepy about sitting on the toilet? Those things would just pop up out of nowhere. You'd be like, ah. Like, I see them on the sidewalks in Manhattan. They've, like, these big stores put them up, and you walk by, and the fucking thing's coming an inch from hitting you. I'm like, yeah, nah, I don't. Those things creep me out. But still, the kids like it, so who cares? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Uh, back to the NXT TakeOver special. There was supposed to be a match with Elias Sampson, who's now known as the Drifter, and Apollo Crews, and I think that actually happened prior to the show. That might have been the dark match uh, right before the actual show started. And from my understanding, Apollo Crews uh, easily beat the Drifter in no time at all. But getting to, I think, after the women's match, it was our main event. There was only like five matches, I think, on this card. And our main event was the rematch between Samoa Joe taking on the NXT champion Finn Balor. And I was looking forward to this to see what they were going to do. And I didn't really mind how the match turned out. But about 30 seconds into the match, uh, Finn Balor gave Joe a headbutt. And unfortunately, what happened was Joe got cut right above his eye and started bleeding profusely. And there were several times that this match was stopped so that they could attend to Joe because blood was just gushing out from his uh, from right above his eye. And so they're trying to keep the, the blood from getting in his eye and causing any blindness or whatever. But if you went back and you actually watched the crowd, they, they showed Stephanie McMahon and she was not happy. I don't know if it was because he was bleeding or the fact that he pushed the referees away at a, at a couple points in the match. But she was not a happy camper. And I thought the match never really got off the ground because they kept stopping it. 
But for what it was, I think the blood added to the match. Because, I mean, there were some good spots in this match. And had that not happened, I don't know how good the match would have been. But in the end, uh, Joe goes for his, uh, his uh, what, what does he call it? The uh, Kakina Clutch. And Finn Balor took a basically a page out of Bret Hart's book and countered it into a pin, much like he did with uh, Roddy Piper at WrestleMania 8 and he did with Steve Austin at the Survivor Series 1996 and gets the pinfall win over Joe and retains the NXT championship. Well, here's my question to you. He's got a cut above his eye. It's not career-threatening. It's threatening in the match because if, obviously, blood gets in your eye, you could have trouble seeing. But here's my question to you. If you're in charge of a promotion and you see, look, the guy's career isn't going to end if we let this go, and he's willing to let it go and tells the doctors, get away, I'll deal with it, do you just let him go? No, you don't. Mm, okay. Not in today's not in today's day and age. If you've got a cut above your eye and you're bleeding profusely and it's getting in your eye, that is a danger. You could you could get some blindness from that. So I would say if it was any other place, like if he's cut from the arm, he's bleeding. If he's cut from the cheek, he's bleeding. As long as it's not getting in his eyes, that's one thing. I think that once it starts getting in your eye, it causes a problem. Now, it's not going to be a popular answer for a lot of people out there. Uh, that have never wrestled or that just watch wrestling and have seen classic matches where people bled all over the place. In today's day and age, you have to be safe and you have to keep your employees safe. And I think that when you start bleeding profusely, you have to stop the match. Now, granted, it, it was irritating. It did take away from the match. But I think that WWE was in the right for that. And I think that Joe might have pissed some people off. See, now, I wasn't aware from what you're telling me, and this is something I'm definitely going to look up because I did not know this. So you're saying if you keep getting blood in your eye, it can actually cause permanent damage? I don't know about permanent, but it can definitely cause some short-term problems. For oh, sure. yeah. I mean, I know that. I'm just, see, I don't know. Maybe I was influenced by the crowd because I was surprised. I'm usually pretty pretty high on the NXT crowd, but, I mean, they're actually yelling, fuck PG, fuck PG, fuck PG. Yeah, but here's, think, the, here's the problem. People that yell fuck PG, none of them have ever fucking stepped in a ring. None of them have ever fucking wrestled a match. None of true. them have done anything but sat on their fucking couch, ate Cheetos, and fucking watched wrestling. So until you've been in their shoes and know what the fuck's going on, you have no idea. Again, I think that they made the right call by toweling him up because he didn't need to be bleeding that profusely. It didn't need to be getting in his eye. And if anybody's got a problem with that, I don't give a fuck. I'm giving you my opinion and my take on it. Oh, I'm not giving you a problem. I asked for your opinion. You gave it. I also think that maybe if Joe would have stood still for like a minute and let them do the work, it would have stopped. Because every time like they tried to patch him up, he was like, nah, get away from me. Uh, and that's what it, 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 it turned into something that could have, I think, been a 30, 40 second stoppage. If he would have just sat still, let them, you know, Vaseline is a great thing. It, it usually stops bleeding like that, like right away. And, I've seen and, in boxing. You're probably right, but I think you know? I, I think with Samoa Joe, his pride was probably hurt. He was probably pissed off. You know, yeah, like he, he looked like he got pissed at Finn too. You could tell it was a little. <laughs> so I mean, you know, it is what it is, and uh, you know, I don't know what they do with Samoa Joe from this point because he's now lost 
clean twice to Finn Balor. I think that that takes him out of any kind of rematch or any kind of running for that title. And honestly, with the way that that he's been, uh, he's lost both these matches. I, I think it's time to move him to the main roster. I I, I have to believe that he's going to be debuting on Raw or or something very soon because I just don't know what you do with him now. I think maybe he needs to kind of tone it down a little bit too. I mean, I know he wants to be in character as this badass, but I mean, I mean, accidents happen. Who was it that he hurt? Like when he first came in, uh, Tyson Kidd. Right. You know. Oh, yeah. I mean, Tyson is his career's over. I mean, well, that's 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 not that's not been confirmed. There, right. There we have been there not. have there have been rumors, and I could tell you from from the sources that I know. That has not been confirmed. Tyson Kidd has never come out and said that he's he's Good. done, that he's retiring, that he's hurt and he can't come back. That that's never been said. I don't know what's going on with his recovery. And if I did know, I couldn't say anything anyway. But to my knowledge, that has never been confirmed. He has never come out and said, I'm done. Well, good. I certainly hope not. But it makes me wonder, you know, are especially now what with what happened this past Friday is you know Triple H and the powers that be in NXT looking at this guy and saying mm, you know I, I think maybe he's getting a little too excited for his own good is all I'm saying I don't know you think Samoa Joe's getting too excited for his own good in the ring maybe sometimes like you know as as passionate as he got Friday I mean I understand his point of view but it almost seems to me like He's playing the monster, you know what I mean? He wants to play the badass, but I don't know. It's it, it, it's kind of like maybe he's trying to trying to go a little too hard, you know what I mean? Well, I'm going to disagree. I think Samoa Joe right now is the best heel they have in the company, period, whether it's NXT or WWE. I think he's the best heel they have on their payroll right now. And I think that he needs to be on that main roster ASAP. He's not getting any younger. And I'm going to say it now. WrestleMania next year, if Samoa Joe versus Brock Lesnar isn't on the card, I don't know if I'm interested. <laughs> if you bring him to the main roster and you sell him as badass as, as Brock, yeah. I mean, I could see that. Can you imagine the two of them just throwing everything out the window and killing each other? I think it'd be great. I think that'd be a great WrestleMania match next year. Because Brock is a guy who Samoa Joe can be violent with. <laughs> Brock isn't going to give a shit. Bring it. Absolutely. We'll see. Uh, I hope so. Before we wrap up NXT TakeOver Dallas, a couple notable things that I wanted to bring up. I want to get your take on them, too. Okay. Uh, they showed some interesting folks at ringside <laughs> at NXT TakeOver Dallas, one of them being Kota Ibushi. And if you don't know who that is, He's a former New Japan uh, pro wrestler. And the rumor is that he's going to be involved with the WWE's Cruiserweight Series coming up here in the next couple of months. You know, they've got this, this big uh, Cruiserweight tournament that they're going to be doing that's going to encompass the entire world. And I, I know that uh, it looks like Kota Ibushi is going to be a part of that. I'm wondering if Kota Ibushi is WWE bound or if this is just something he's doing for the short term but if Kota Ibushi comes into the fold you've got another world-class fucking amazing Japanese talent that they're about to embark on not only did we see Kota Ibushi 
But ladies and gentlemen, former TNA world champion Bobby Roode was at ringside as well. Yeah, and Bobby, when the camera's on you, react a little bit. <laughs> it's like Robert was sitting there just chilling, man. I was like, oh, shit. And he's just sitting there like maybe he didn't know. He was like he was really interested in what he was watching. And someone in chat was, oh, shit, is that Bobby Roode? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> hey, he's never seen that many people before. True that. He might he might have been overwhelmed. Like, what the fuck? like man people do come to these shows no you know what i'm almost positive that bobby Roode has been signed to some kind of deal i can't see them not signing him i think bobby Roode is a no-brainer he's not getting any younger i think he'd be a great talent to, to start out in nxt maybe and maybe at some point move to the main roster um if you're james storm though you got to be crying a little bit in your beer well, it depends how ironclad that contract is. I mean, if I'm getting paid, who gives a fuck? I mean, I hate to say that, but... Well, see, and I would say that's the wrong attitude to have. I would rather work for the company that's going to be in business in five years. Oh, I agree. As opposed to the company that probably isn't going to be in business in five years. Whether they're paying me more or not, I would rather work toward an opportunity with the company that's going to be around as opposed to a guaranteed payday. But that's just me. No, I hear you. I mean, I even said that on Facebook that, it, it, again, you said if it was you, me, if it was me, yeah, I'm the same way. I'd rather get paid a little less for a while, but know I'm going to wake up tomorrow morning and have a fucking job than, you know, the company suddenly going out of business, which could happen anytime. Who knows? But then again, I'm not James Storm. I don't know. Maybe for him... For whatever reason, money was the priority. I mean, I'm not I'm not going to, you know, go into his personal shit, but I I hear what you're saying, man, you know, and, and who knows? They go out of business and declare bankruptcy. They may not have to pay him shit. Well, that's just it. You know, the, the, the supposed deal he signed was he's guaranteed a certain amount of pay, and even if they go out of business, he's getting paid. I got news for you. If they go out of business, you ain't getting paid. I mean, that's just... This ain't WCW. Well, look, here's the thing. And again, I have a lot of respect for James Storm, and I'm not condemning him for what he did. I just thought it was a bonehead move to fucking not try to work with the company that, that could give you an opportunity in the future. But that's just me. I, again, I wish him nothing but luck. I like James Storm. I've met him a couple times. Good guy. If I were NXT, I would look at Eric Young, too, if he's interested. I think Eric Young's a phenomenal talent. I think he'd do well there. It wouldn't surprise me to see Eric Young there because he's a guy that can do anything. Yeah, he, he can play he can play a heel. He can play a baby face. He can be funny. He can be serious. No doubt. Well, before we move on, letter grade for NXT TakeOver Dallas. What would you think? I'd give it a straight-up A-. minus. I thought it was a good show. I'm going to give it a straight-up A. I, I, not A- minus or an A+, plus, just a straight-up A. Loved it. I thought, again, Corbin Aries, not the greatest match. Uh, everything else I thought was pretty solid, and, and I really enjoyed this show, so I'm going to give it an A. If you're Vince McMahon and you look at NXT, does some part of your pride get hurt? Are you a little embarrassed when you see the crowd, when you see how they react? Okay, the, the you know, fuck PG. Okay, that was about the only thing. 
you know, and you're right. They were kind of off base on that. But you look at how amped the crowd, you know, someone said this the other day. I don't remember if I heard on a radio show or read it on a, on a news bulletin where they said, it's kind of sad when Bailey is getting 50 times the reaction of Roman Reigns, who's supposed to be your top baby face. It's true. Yeah, but there's, I mean, it's apples and oranges. There's reasons. We'll, we'll, we'll get to Roman once we get to WrestleMania, but there are reasons that Roman gets that, that response. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that later. Oh, absolutely. But I'm just saying as far as the, the booking of it goes, when you look at NXT, to me, it's so, so far superior a booked product. But see, and here's the difference. Triple H books NXT. He has people that work under him that book the show. Triple H oversees the final word on NXT. Vince McMahon does not run that product. Right. He funds it. He does not run it. Triple H has the final say. It's his baby. Okay? Vince McMahon, however, has writers under him. He approves and disapproves of everything that goes on. He gets the final say. That's the difference. It's apples to oranges, but I like what I'm seeing in NXT. And if the guy that's in charge of that someday gets a hold of the main roster, I think I might like what I see then too. Yeah, I mean it's like running a pizzeria for ten for twenty years that's failing, and you lend your son-in-law a hundred grand to open his place, and he's successful. Th- that's how I think. I don't know how Vince can't feel that way. I mean, it's it's almost like, man, you know, I'm, I have nothing to do with NXT and, and everyone loves it, but yet all everyone ever does about the company that I'm running is bitch. Well, you know why? We, we've talked about this ad nauseum, and I just I want to finish it up with this. Let me tell you why. Because Vince McMahon doesn't want to be a wrestling company. He wants to have wrestling on the marquee a little bit, but he's all about the entertainment. He'd rather make movies or television shows or whatever. He's not in the wrestling business anymore. Triple H has taken a product and being the old school guy that he is, he loves the wrestling aspect of it. And that's what you see on NXT. It's about wrestling. You get to WWE, it's not about wrestling. If they could take the ring out, they'd fucking do it. I was waiting for you to say that. I was going to say, you've been saying that since before you and I were friends, since 2010. If Vince could take that, somehow figure out a way to take that ring out and have people pay for it, he'd do it. If he could fucking have these movies make money, he wouldn't run a wrestling promotion. He'd just fucking get these guys to make movies. So, I mean, it is what it is. You know, he just... I'm just, I'm ready for this guy to fucking retire and move on. You know, when you open in 50 fucking drive-thrus and go to DVD the next day, you're not. (laughs) No doubt, no doubt. Well, let's close this chapter on NXT and kind of move into the Hall of Fame. Saturday night, I had had, uh, Mark the Shark DiCarlo and uh, his youngest come over. They they brought some pizza, and uh, we sat and we watched the WWE Hall of Fame. I wouldn't say it was one of the better Hall of Fames. Uh, To me, this year, this one was a little weak. It wasn't a horrible Hall of Fame. 
but it wasn't uh, as stellar as the ones we've seen in, in past years. Um, of the things I took away from the Hall of Fame this time out, uh, Vader kind of put himself over more than he put Stan Hansen over. Uh, Ric Flair put himself and Ricky Steamboat over quite a bit. Jacqueline, if you blinked, you missed her induction. It was short and sweet. I thought Godfather was was perfect. He went out there. It was he, he said what he needed to say. He thanked the fans, and he moved on. Godfather had a perfect speech. It was it was fantastic. Um, loved the Freebirds segment. Uh, two of them coming out and dancing, and of course we we got to see uh, uh, Buddy's son, and we got to see uh, we got to see Terry Gordy's son come back. I mean, I don't know if you know this or not, but he used to wrestle in the WWE. You know, when they alluded to that, I was trying to remember when and where. That was Jesse from Jesse and Festus. Oh, shit. You're kidding me. No, that was Ray Gordy. That was, uh, Whoa, he was Jesse. Okay. So, mm. but it was good to see him and, uh, you know, good, good on, uh, on WWE for inducting his dad. Um, I was a big fan of, of Terry Bam Bam Gordy growing up. Guy was ugly as hell, but fucking a total badass. And just a fantastic worker. So, you know, the, I thought the Freebirds telling the story was great. They brought Kevin Von Erich out at the end, which I thought was fantastic. Although I couldn't figure out why in the fuck he wasn't inducting them. I wasn't a fan of New Day inducting. And, and Mark the Shark will tell you, that there were points that they were annoying the fuck out of me. And I was yelling at the TV. I'm like, can you shut the fuck up and bring out the Freebirds, please? Because it got a little fucking overbearing and it got a little much. Yeah, I, I I was hoping they were going to go the serious route, but they didn't. <laughs> eh. Yeah, I wasn't real happy with them inducting the Freebirds. That, that's that was that was the big fucking thing that really pissed me off on the weekend was that, you know, I am a fan of the New Day and I like all three of those guys, but when it comes to the Freebirds, that they were not the guys to induct. Sorry, I would have I would have been happy with Steve Austin, who has lobbied so hard over the last year to fucking get the Freebirds inducted. I would have been happy with Diamond Dallas Page, who owes a lot of his uh, his start to Michael PSAs. I would have been happy with either one of those guys, but the New Day, fuck right off. Yeah, but from what I hear, see, now, I don't know how true this is or if this is just, just for good pub. They claim that that's who Michael Hayes wanted to induct them. So at the end of the day, if, 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 that's true, and it wasn't him just towing the company line, then, you know, who are we? You know, that was the argument we had in chat. You know, it, it's hard to say. You know, if, if that's who they wanted, I don't think it turned out too well, but, you know, what can you do? Again, if that's who Hayes wanted, then fine. I still don't. I have problems believing that. I felt like it was a rib on Michael Hayes. But, hey, if – if in fact that was the case, then whatever. I just felt like it should have been somebody with with a past with him, you know, that was influential with him, or or, or I don't know. I just I wasn't a big fan of of them inducting the Freebirds, but it is what it is. It was what it was, and Michael P. S. Hayes sang "Bad Street USA" in really shitty karaoke form. Uh, you know, it's weird. I don't know why. I really, really enjoyed this Hall of Fame. I don't know what it was. And a lot of people say Stan Hansen went way too long, and he did. But he I rambled. will say this. He rambled a little bit. Yeah, but I enjoyed. See, I'm the type of guy, I'm weird. 
I like sitting there and listening to those old wrestling stories. That's like shit. Like Stan Hansen, if you're listening to this, I will buy you as many beers as you want if you will just sit with me and tell me some of those stories. I, I just get a kick out of that shit. I don't know why. I love the Freebird story about fucking Terry Gordy getting shot at and laughing because the guy missed. <laughs> yeah, or, or the apartment story where yeah. he kicks down the fucking door and then Buddy destroys the coffee table and says, ah, we never drank coffee anyway. Do you think they, these guys elaborate a little bit, or you think the shit was really that crazy? I'm pretty sure the shit was really that crazy. Because Vader, I know for a fact, because I heard this before, where he would just fucking show up with his bag. See, you're right, Vader put himself over a, a little bit, you're right. But I thought I was actually surprised, because see, I haven't heard Vader out of character too many times. I was surprised that, like, just he, he i don't know i thought it was cool i mean i i thought his stories were cool too i really want to see vader vader should be next year man he he really i i think more on the wcwn definitely but he deserves to go in and i'm sure he will at some point you know i i just again i was a huge vader fan growing up i met the guy and found out he was 20 pounds of shit in a five pound bag so yeah i you know. know it is what it is I just felt like he put himself over more than he put Stan Hansen over. You know, and, and if that's what you want to do, if you want to go out and do a Hall of Fame speech and, and put yourself over as opposed to the guy you're inducting, then, you know, more power to you, I guess. Um, I, th I thought Snoop Dogg was just right. I thought Snoop was fantastic, and I got so sick of people bitching about it. I was upset that Chuck Norris didn't go in because it was Dallas, and I to me, that would be the biggest celebrity induction you could do in the state of Texas. But I understood why they went with Snoop. He has had involvement at past WrestleManias. He has had involvement with, you know, Raw and, and different WWE events. And he's Sasha Banks' cousin, plain and simple. And not only did he get inducted, at WrestleMania he came out and he, and he sang his, his cousin down to the fucking ring. Or he wrapped his cousin down to the ring, excuse me. So, you know, I mean, it was, a, it was a good payoff for them. They obviously do things that are politically motivated and, you know, for the right reasons, I guess, right? But here's the thing I don't get. Everybody put your ears, if you're not using headphones, if you are, turn them up. If you're using speakers, put your ear next to the speaker. It is the celebrity wing. They're not putting these guys in as equals to the wrestlers on that level. It's, it's guys in entertainment or whatever who have had some influence on the business. You know, it, it doesn't mean that they're putting them in as wrestlers. Chill the fuck out. I'm just glad that it was Snoop Dogg and not Regis Philbin. I'm Regis Philbin, and I'm honored to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. And I know that he's done stuff with him. That was a horrible impersonation, by the way. Um, I know Am he's, I lucky I can talk normally? I, I'm glad that, uh, you know, I mean, Regis has done stuff with him in the past. I mean, obviously, he's had wrestlers on his show to help promote things. So I'm sure that at some point, maybe when they go back to New York or something, he's a slam dunk, you know? But... I would rather see Bob Barker go in before Regis Philbin, but that's just my... I think Bob Barker was the best guest host they ever had on Raw, period. Put Dennis Miller in the fucking... 
really hey. see the IWC explode. Well, Dennis Miller has hosted the Slammies on numerous occasions, so he'd, I'd be fine with that too. But anyway, I digress. Let's get back to the Hall of Fame. Um, like I said, Jacqueline was was quick. Um, I thought Sting had a nice speech, and of course we found out that uh, he is in fact now retired, that he was ending his career under the WWE umbrella. And uh, he said, this is not goodbye, but it's, you know, see you later. So we'll see what happens. I'm sure Sting will pop up at some point down the road. I'd love to see him be a babyface GM. Yeah, absolutely. You know, if we ever get rid of this fucking authority shit, I would love to see Sting utilized, uh, you know, as maybe the GM. Because I think that the one thing that I saw him gain from his tenure in TNA was he got so much better on a microphone. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, two two things to the Sting speech I want to add. Did you feel the proverbial shiver in the room when he kind of alluded to Joker Sting? Yes, yes, it was It was kind of like, do I really want to talk about this? But he did. And kudos and to him. He, yeah, and he also, and I know that, there's a wrestler's code. He does not blame Seth for what happened. But it was cool the way he brutally ribbed Seth Rollins for a few minutes. Well, you know, going back to that match, and I said this when it happened, there's no reason in the world they should have ever, like Seth shouldn't have suggested it and Sting shouldn't have accepted it. There's no reason why he should have taken not only one buckle bomb, but certainly not two. You don't do that to a 60-year-old man. Uh, you know, like, it's just, no. And I feel bad for Sting. But at the, at the same time, had he come to WWE five years ago, we, we could have had the Sting-Taker match. He might have even won the title once or twice. And he might have had a longer longevity of a career under the WWE banner. But he didn't. It sucks that his only WrestleMania... He lost to Triple H, which really fucking pissed me off last year. That was that was Vince McMahon's ego more than it was anything else of finally shutting the door on the franchise player of WCW. More on that when we get to WrestleMania this year. And then he has one world title match, and he fucking gets injured and has to retire. Well, I think he was kind of in that curse that i mean the 2015 i mean god damn are we gonna are we gonna remember this year you know when you talk about injuries and, and to be even the beginning of 2016 you know the injuries that we've had my question to you is sting going to be terry funk or is he going to be Shawn michaels is he going to be the guy who's really going to take this seriously and honor it i think so i, I don't think he has a choice i think that if he gets back in the ring and does anything, he risks paralysis. So, yeah, I think he's smart enough to know that it's done, it's over, and and it sucks. I know he wants that match with with Undertaker, but it's never going to happen. It's just it's just not going to happen. Sorry, it's just it's just not there. And and even if it if it was in the cards, it would have been in the cards six years ago. Yeah, because I don't think even if it, if it did happen, even even if Sting wasn't at risk. You know, let's say he, he was in the shape he was last year. He, he's not at risk. I still don't think it would have been the kind of match it would have been 
you know, five, six years ago. You know, I think, yeah, the, the aura would be there and the fans would love it no matter what. But, yeah, I don't think it's going to happen. He looks like a guy who's going to honor it. And, and like you said, he may have no choice. And it sucks. But you know what? At least he's going to get that Legends deal. He's going to get a great DVD. He's going to have action figures. He's going to be in, in the... I don't know. I don't was it. Yeah, he wasn't. What am I nuts? He was in um, the last video game. He'll be in the next one and many to come. So he's fine. Sting smart with his money. It's just from an emotional standpoint. It sucks. It does. Again, I think we'll see him down the road doing something else. And uh, I also wanted to, to briefly mention uh, I was really touched with the boss man's induction. I thought his uh, his daughter did a pretty good job. Although she struck me as someone who wasn't really a wrestling fan, um, I thought that you know uh, it, it was kind of touching and, and good for her and her sister and her mom. And you know, I'm glad that they did finally uh, induct Ray Trailer. I just I felt like they should have done that in Atlanta a few years ago, but uh, it is what it is. And, and glad to see that a character like the Big Boss Man finally uh, makes his way into the Hall of Fame. So, and that was your your 2016 Hall of Fame. All in all, not a bad show. Went a little long, but uh, it definitely doesn't rank up to some of the ones we've seen over the last couple of years. One last thing. Can we get over the fucking butthurt of the Warrior Award? I mean, really? All the bitching I read all over the internet. Yeah, we know that's not exactly what Warrior had in mind. But I think the people that they've given this award to thus far. Yeah. It's done for publicity to some extent, but I'm fine with it. And, and you know, the, the people who were like shitting on the warrior's wife, I mean, get the fuck over yourself. If she's okay with it, I'm okay with it. Well, of course she's okay with it because they're honoring her husband's contract and they're taking care of her and her girls. I totally get that. Now, as far as, is it the award that the warrior wanted? No, it's not. He wanted something called the Jimmy Miranda Award, which basically, and I'm paraphrasing what he said, you know, is an award given to the, the warriors from backstage that you never see. The guy that that does this or that backstage that you never get that never gets any credit. Right. That's, that's the kind of thing he wanted to, to do. And, and uh, you know, unfortunately, he died. He died after the, his induction on that Tuesday and. uh you know, they just, they ran with it. I mean, Connor, I had no problem with, with them doing this Warrior Award for Connor. I understood what, what they were doing there. Again, it is not the award that the Warrior wanted to happen. But at the same time, this is something called the Warrior Award. It has nothing to do with the Jimmy Miranda Award. This is them giving an award to someone with the spirit of a warrior. And on that level, it works. And I'm okay with it. Maybe it's not what Warrior wanted, but it's what they're doing. And I'm sure he's he's looking down and smiling that his wife and his daughters are taken care of. He knows they're being taken care of. And if his wife can present an award to someone who has battled cancer or some illness and has the spirit of a warrior, is that really a bad thing? Is it yes. honestly, is it really a bad thing? Can we get over ourselves for five minutes and fucking appreciate what they're trying to do yeah it's just you know it, yeah the product does deserve to be bitched about a lot lately but like some of the things that that people on the internet 
and I'm not calling anyone out, but some of the things that people on the internet bitch about, I'm like, really? You know, it's not like they're giving the award to fucking Hitler, okay? They're giving it to people who are warriors and deserve it. I mean, I'm done. I just, I just wanted to bring that up because I'm just like so... This is the second year I've had to hear this shit. Oh, it's not the war. It's not the award the warrior wanted. I mean, you know, get over it. No doubt. Well, I tell you what. Let's let's take a quick break, and when we come back. We're going to dive into uh, WrestleMania 32 from uh, the AT and T Center in Dallas, and you know, over a hundred and one thousand strong in the AT and T uh, Stadium. Yeah, more on that when we return. You're listening to Unplugged. Right here on the SNS Radio Network. I think I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. I've got the look that drives a girl while I've got the mood that really moves them. I said, chill up and down their spine. I'm just a sexy boy. I'm not your boy, toy. This Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, Mr. Hall of Fame, 2011. And you are listening on SNS Radio Network. See ya. And I wouldn't want to be ya. Then he's get weak whenever I'm around. They see me walk. They hear me talk. I make them feel like they're all cloud nine. I'm just a sexy boy. Hey guys, it's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. Are you looking for the latest wrestling news? Well, then you should check out www.wrestling-online.com. Sign up for the newsletter. It's been around for 16 years. It's one of the longest-running newsletters on the internet today. It comes right to your inbox three to four times a week, depending on how busy the news week is. Want that access on your phone? They also have mobile apps for your iOS, Apple, and BlackBerry. The archives of all the Unplugged shows, as well as columns. You can also follow WrestlingOnline.com on Twitter, at WrestlingOnline. Or check them out on Facebook, www.facebook slash WrestlingOnline. It's that simple. Wrestling-Online.com is the official news source of the SNS Radio Network. And perhaps you should make it your official news source as well. Once again, that's www.wrestling-online.com.
to the show with Tony J. Mirabella and Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. I remember parties out in the park with the girlies, rubbing up in the dark, I was smooth, till someone pulled the gun, it was over, they spoiled my fun. All right, we're back right here. The Wild Wild West, some cool Mo D. I had to throw that in since it was, of course, a WrestleMania weekend. They were in the Big D, Dallas. I am Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. He is Tony J. Mirabella. Now, check this out. He's singing. This is why I went nuts on Skype. He is singing, actually, when he says Wild Wild West, and it applies He's thinking about the west side of Manhattan. He talks about, I think, what was it, 129th and Convent? I work on 138th and Convent. (laughs) And I'll tell you right now, it is the Wild West. It's a New York slogan. That is fucking great. (laughs) I figured it would tie in, bro. I figured it would tie in. Oh, man, that is awesome. One thing... you and I, man, when it comes to music, you you never fail to amaze me. You always, I just started marking out when I heard that. <laughs> I know it, the fucking Skype conversation was going nuts when when I started playing that shit. I thought he was about to have an orgasm or something. I don't know. You might have. I, I have no idea. Nah, I'm fine. <laughs> Some of the shit I'm on, I don't think I could have an orgasm if I wanted to. Well, just be be glad we're not doing a video show because you might have seen something you probably shouldn't have seen on Bronx's end. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, we don't. That, that's why we kind of stay away from video. It's it's better for everyone involved. Clean up on aisle seven. Anyway, moving on, let's jump into some WrestleMania from the AT and T Stadium, Bronx. We start things off on the pre-show. Oh my God, this was like fifteen hours of fucking wrestling on just this day alone, bro. See, you gotta help me because I was doing some other shit that day and I didn't get to see the pre-show. Okay, I will help you with the pre-show. We start things off on the pre-show. Our first match is Ryback versus Callisto. It's for the United States Championship. You know, the prestigious United States Championship that was held by John Cena after he beat Rusev last year at WrestleMania and made that title mean something. We spent the better part of a year building that title up with John Cena defending it in an open challenge and having fantastic matches here and there. He lost it to Alberto Del Rio, who lost it to Kalisto, who got it back. Then Kalisto got it back. And now Kalisto is defending that prestigious title in the pre-show of a WrestleMania against Ryback. And what could be considered a David and Goliath match, a total mismatch, um... The problem with you not seeing this match, there was a lot of people at WrestleMania that didn't get to see this match as well as there was some kind of problem going on with people being allowed in the building. I guess there was a a ticket issue. There were thousands upon thousands of people 
who were not being allowed in the building. So there, th- this was almost like an empty arena match uh, when the pre-show started. Pretty good little match. Uh, you know, Ryback did his typical big guy power move stuff. And uh, Kalisto took advantage of the situation. I guess at one point Ryback had um, done something with one of the, the, the ring uh, corners where he ended up uh, getting sent into the ring corner and messing up his shoulder to which Kalisto was able to hit the Salida del Sol and get the one, two, three and retain the prestigious United States championship. Let me say on a personal note, I did pick Kalisto to retain the title here. I wanted WWE to do something with Kalisto, make him an underdog champion that overcomes the odds. And I think that uh, they, they did a pretty good job of that against Ryback. I didn't think Ryback needed the belt at this point in time. Ryback needs a hard reset more than he does anything else. But uh, Kalisto, still United States champion. I don't know. I was kind of just, I knew what wouldn't happen. I just wanted to see Ryback beat him into a coma and win the belt. I I just don't know why. why. (laughs) That makes no sense, though. Why would you want to do that? I mean, you know, Kalisto could be as big as Rey Mysterio given the opportunity. I think he's a talented little guy. I got to meet him up close and personal uh, on two different shows a couple years ago here when they did the Heart Legacy Wrestling and the Next Generation Wrestling shit. And he was there for both shows. He was a fantastic athlete. He was very humble, and I, I figured one day he would probably make it to WWE. And and I think that right now he's such a gifted athlete. I think he's probably better than Mysterio was in his prime. Oh, I got nothing against the dude. I just, I just kind of, I don't know. I just feel bad for Ryback sometimes, man. I, I've always been, I, I think, and both of us, because you've always been there too, and I've always agreed with you. I just think, you know, man, when he first started and god we've done this so many times but i don't care when he first started man and he was just beating the shit out of people and the fans were loving it loving it i and then they turned him heel and feuded him with cena and just since then i i think he does have a lot of potential and i don't I almost don't know at this point if maybe you have to make him a heel, just a vicious big guy, because the babyface thing, I think they kind of ruined. I, I don't know. Here's here's the problem with Ryback in a nutshell. I don't have a problem with his entering work. I've seen him add stuff to his repertoire. I mean, he's now doing a splash off the top rope. Uh, he he has added quite a bit of dimension to his, his, um, his in-ring stuff. However, where Ryback fails is the having him cut really stupid promos. I mean, at least Warrior had something going for him when he cut a promo. You didn't understand what the fuck he was saying, but it sounded cool. And it was intense. With Ryback, it's almost like he's quoting poetry, and it just doesn't make any fucking sense. If they would just not let Ryback talk, you know, if he would go out there and say, I'm the big guy, I'm going to kick somebody's ass, and move on, maybe. But they have damaged him, and I don't think they know what to do with him. I like Ryback, I do, but I don't know where you go at this point with him. I, I, I just don't know. We're going to get into a very similar story that I want to talk about when, when we get to Roman Reigns later on in the program. But, you know, I agree. Not everyone needs to talk. It, it helps. It does. Maybe if they would have brought back the concept of fucking managers 
we could have got guys like this over. But yeah, well, well, Ryback, what are you going to do tonight? I'm hungry. And he leaves and goes to the ring. That's it. And he beats the shit out of the guy. As he's walking up the ramp, they bring out someone with a microphone, Renee or whoever. Ryback, what, what about that match? Where, you know, I'm full. And just walks to the back. That's it. It works. The fans will accept that. It works. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think you hit the nail on the head. A manager probably would do something great for Ryback. I mean, the Paul Heyman thing didn't work because they weren't invested in it, you know? Paul Heyman wasn't invested in it. And, you know, as soon as Brock came back, he was the jealous lover, and he went right back to Brock. So, you know, putting Heyman with anybody other than Brock is a fucking waste. And they just don't utilize managers anymore. So, you know, it is what it is. But in our first match, we did see Kalisto retain over Ryback. I think if Callisto holds the belt for a while, I think you're right. They're going to go for that Rey Mysterio feel, and I think he's already off to a far better start than Sincara ever was. Exactly. So our next match that we saw was a Total Divas versus the Bad and Blonde stable. So the Total Divas consisted of Brie Bella, Natalia. Uh, I think Alicia Fox, Paige, Eva Marie. It seems like I'm missing somebody. And they took on the tandem of uh, Team Bad, which is Tamina and, of course, uh, Naomi. And they also had Emma from NXT in their corner and Lana and Summer's du- Summer's Eve douche or Summer, Summer Rae. I always call her Summer's Eve. I can't stand that bitch. Uh, I, I hate Summer Rae. every time. I fucking hate Summer Rae. I, I, I've never liked her. I never will. I think she's absolute horse shit in the fucking ring. God damn. I, I, she's fucking horrible. And, you know, Eva Marie is worse. I, I got to say. Probably the worst person match-wise in that whole fucking match. But Summer's not much better. You know, it was great. Sean had posted up this... Uh, wrestlemania bracket like for picks that you could fill out and some of it was tongue-in-cheek because i swear to the almighty god above one of the questions was and you would actually get points if you got this right how many how many moves will eva marie botch and you could fill it in wow well she actually at one point in this match did a sliced bread number two and it looked like she was in space or underwater because it was so fucking slow. It looked fucking horrible. I mean, she didn't botch it, but it looked like it was slow motion. So Matrix. kudos on her, I guess. Uh, you know, the finish of the match came when uh, Bree did this uh, transition, this rolling transition into the yes lock. And it escapes me who actually tapped out. But I thought it was fantastic. I thought that this was Bree's last match, as far as I know. She was retiring at this point, and uh, so your team Total Divas gets the win here. Nikki Bella comes out and celebrates with the Total Divas. It was a good moment. You know, they put Bree on their shoulders, and, uh, you know, that was Bree's swan song. So her and Daniel Bryan both officially retiring from the WWE. Yeah, why is everybody, no one in our group, 
But why have I been reading some places on the internet everyone's shitting on Brie Bella's work? See, I don't understand that. And, 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 yeah. and that, that really fucking bothers me because in the last year, Nikki Bella was fucking amazing, okay? I know that when she first started wrestling, she was the drizzling shits. But then she started working out with John, and I guess John started to teach her some shit. Same with, with Brie. She started working with Daniel, and he started teaching her some shit. And those girls, as they progressed in the Divas division, got so much better. They were both very much improved. I'll say Nikki was the star of that team because she was so much better than Brie. But Brie was able to learn how to actually wrestle and do a pretty good fucking job. And it really burns my ass to fucking hear people disparage the Bellas. Bellas from five years ago couldn't wrestle their way out of a fucking paper bag. Bellas from a year ago to now pretty badass little bitches yeah and nikki really really got over good as just a vile bitch i mean she played i would say in the company at this time not of all time but in this time second only to stephanie she played a great bitch no doubt you know get get off the bellas man okay i mean it's just like you know yeah they used to annoy me too back in the day but i give credit where credit's due and i'm just tired of reading oh brie not so much nikki but oh brie sucks you know thank god she's retiring she's the worst women's wrestler meanwhile you got eva marie okay who wouldn't even have any moves while she's being fucked i will take a brie bella over an eva marie any day of the week i would take a brie bella over fucking summer's eve any day of the fucking week. I'll take a Brie Bella over uh, Tamina Snuka any day of the fucking week. I mean, I go down the whole fucking list here. And there's very few that I would say I would rather have than Brie Bella. Is, is she in league with Charlotte or Becky Lynch or Sasha? No. No. Absolutely not. But you know what? She can hang with them. I oh, think yeah. she could have a good match with any of them. Yeah, I, I don't get it. I mean, you know, I got to say, kudos to her, man. It, it takes it takes a real woman to retire, and she could she could have kept going, and I'm sure that Daniel would have supported her if she wanted to. But well, I I think there's there's something's going on there, and I don't I don't want to like speculate or or put rumors out there, but I think that there was a reason that she ended her tenure early. She was supposed to wait till the summer. And I don't know if I had heard something about Daniel's medicals, medical situation had gotten worse or whatever. Regardless of, of whatever the reason, uh, they want to start a family. They want to have a life together. And it doesn't matter why she's retiring now. I just wish them both the best. Yeah, because I know he even missed a few appearances he was supposed to have. And I hope... You know, it might even be depression. Who who knows? You know, it's none of our business. They're, they're a family. I'm just glad that Brian did marry her, and he's not out there having to deal with this on his own. No doubt about that. Um, our next segment that we ended up seeing in the pre-show involved uh, Lita coming out and unveiling a new women's championship belt, which I got to say is much deserved. It's about time they dropped the whole Divas label. And uh, focused on women's wrestling, and that's exactly what they uh, they said they were going to do. So they were going to crown a women's champion. Whoever won that, that Divas title match would now become the WWE women's champion. So I thought this was a cool segment. I love the belt. I know a lot of people are saying that it's, you know, oh, it's too much like the men's belt. Well, I think that's, that's what they want. That's the wanted. point. Right. 
They, they, they obviously wanted to do that for a reason because they want it to be just as important as the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. It's the counterpart to what the women bring to the table. It's their fucking world title. That's what the fucking point was. And I saw a video today I posted in the group. I love it. The plates are interchangeable. Charlotte had them put on. I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before, but they have the plates, too, on the side. I like it. I mean, it's hard to describe it on radio, but it's a smaller version of the men's belt, and the background is like a kind of red, and the W part is a bit similar to, to the men's title, has the big W in the middle. I think it's a great-looking belt. I'm fine with it. I actually like the fact that, you know, They've started to do the interchangeable nameplates for for the for the world championship. I thought that was a great addition. Uh, that was one of the things that really sold me on that belt was that you could literally have their logos or whatever as a customizable side plate. Yeah. And, and you know, again, it, it's it's basically based off the men's belt, so of course it's going to have the interchangeable logos. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, I have, I have no issue with the belt at all. I mean, I, I think it's it's. It's fine. I think it sends the message they want to send. The thing is, I'm wondering if they are actually going to drop the term divas totally. Uh, they have. They did that over the weekend. They they even put out a press release that they're not using diva anymore. It's done. Yeah, but what about, well, you still got total divas. I guess they're not going to change that. Well, that's, but, that's an e-show. That's not, I mean, right. it's, it's part of their branding, yes, but... They've completely dropped the divas tie. I mean, like the the term divas, as it relates to their women now. So good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. They're now called superstars, just like their male counterparts. Great. I'm fine with that. So we had one more pre-show match, and this was the Dudley Boys taking on the Usos. And let me say right out the gate, the Usos got little to no reaction, and the only reaction that I heard was was actually booze. People were behind the Dudleys as opposed to the Usos. More on this later. I think this could be a good thing. But the Dudleys uh, ended up losing this match, and then the Usos had set them up on tables and then did their splash onto the Dudleys, which was met with a chorus of boos from the crowd at the AT&T Stadium. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see where they transition this. But, uh, yeah, so the Usos get the win over the Dudleys in the pre-show. And, yeah, I heard that they did their finisher, too. See, that's something baby faces usually don't rub it in. <laughs> well, well, we'll get to that. I, I have some thoughts. Uh, uh, I think so, I know where you're going to go. I kind of smell what you're cooking. but So next up, we actually have the, the start of WrestleMania 32. Uh, wonderful video package narrated by Kelsey Grammer. Uh pyro was absolutely cool we start things off with the seven man intercontinental title match which was off the fucking chain some of the stupidest fucking spots i've ever seen yeah oh my god these guys were killing it uh, i love the spot though where sincara gets was, was on the ladder he gets pushed off the ladder the ladder's falling he jumps off the ladder jumps onto the top rope and then does a somersault flip onto the guys on the outside fucking fantastic yeah, it was kind of crazy. They were having fun with it. There was a lot of, oh, my God, spots. You know, they, they knew how to utilize the ladders and everything. I think they made the right call. It was definitely a fun match. Um, crazy. A lot of chances for fucking injury, but it, it was a fun match. 
I mean, the story in this ladder match was really, it, it, to me, it centered around Owens and Zayn. You know, th- those two started things off, beating the crap out of each other. And mm-hmm. the finish came when Sami Zayn did like a, uh, almost like an exploder suplex type DDT onto the ladder with Kevin Owens that looked so brutal. I thought Kevin Owens had, had legitimately killed himself. The way that he hit that ladder, I, I was like, holy fucking shit, he's dead. And I saw the referees rush into the ring, and I guess they checked on him. He was fine. But they just left Kevin Owens sitting in the ladder, like, you know, not moving a, a fucking inch. At one point, uh, Sami Zayn, I think, try, or somebody, I think it's Sami Zayn, tries to go up and get it, and Miz takes him off. Then Miz goes to the top and decides to showboat a little bit. And Zack Ryder comes from out of nowhere, from behind. Miz doesn't see him. He pushes Miz off. He grabs the Intercontinental title. And ladies and gentlemen, Zack Ryder becomes the Intercontinental Champion to the surprise of just about everyone except yours truly because if you read my Facebook post before the show even started and I gave my predictions, I said Zack Ryder was going to walk away the Intercontinental Champion. That was one where I thought you were out of your mind. I, when he won the belt, I literally stood out of my chair i was like don't get me wrong i fucking love it okay but i was like you're freaking kidding me and we all looked at each other and we're like really really and then i started marking out you know good for him i thought I, I loved it i thought it was great i wouldn't kudos to you i wouldn't have thought it in a million years well he just seemed like the odd man out in this particular match and he's done a lot to help uh mojo raleigh on the nxt brand and i thought you know what, wouldn't it be cool if they gave Zack Ryder a moment? And they did. Zack Ryder, after being with the company for years, finally got his WrestleMania moment. Kudos to him. I knew that his championship reign was going to be short-lived. But we'll talk about that when we get to Raw. Well, you basically just gave it away. but <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm, sh- I'm sure people have already seen it. If you haven't seen WrestleMania and Raw, wh- what the fuck have you been doing, folks? This is taking well, place on a Tuesday night when I'm taping this. Well, so, WrestleMania, I can understand if you're crazy if you didn't see it. Raw, not so much. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I think it was great. He, you know what? At the end of the day, he got a WrestleMania moment. And I think it was kind of a th- the thank you from the company, you know, for all the bullshit he's put up with for the last, what, 10 fucking years? Yeah, pretty much. So next up, I think, was AJ Styles and Chris Jericho. Was that not the, the next match on the card, or was there something else? I believe that was the next match. Because, I mean, my memory is Swiss cheese. I'm going to be real honest. I don't know if we'll get all these in order. If we don't, don't crucify us. I don't, I'm not looking at something in front of me that tells me what the matches are. I'm going off the top of my fucking head. So right. if I fuck up, you'll have to forgive me, folks. But I think our next match, of course, was AJ and Jericho, which... I thought had the potential to be the the show stealer of the night, and uh, it wasn't a bad match, but I got to say it it wasn't as good as I thought it was going to be. And in the end, Chris Jericho catches AJ Styles, who attempts to hit his phenomenal uh, elbow, or his, excuse me, his phenomenal forearm on Jericho. And of course, we've seen this spot about a million times. Jericho hits the code breaker out of nowhere. And gets the one, two, three. And so Chris Jericho wins in AJ Styles' first WrestleMania match. 
I was very perplexed with the booking. I, w- I was a little pissed off about the booking, quite frankly, uh, that AJ Styles would lose his first WrestleMania when it really didn't make any sense to continue the feud. And then I thought about it, and I thought back to last year at MetLife Stadium, or excuse me, at, at uh, not MetLife Stadium, that was New York, at uh, what, was, uh, what was the name of the stadium last year? Oh, God, all these stadiums. At what town were they in? If I remember the town, I could tell you. They were in uh, San Francisco, or right outside of San Francisco, wasn't it? Yeah, it, it's, you know, now all the stadiums are branded after toothpaste oh, who, and everything. You know what? Fuck it. I don't care. Whatever stadium it was, I, I obviously don't remember. I've slept since then. Yeah, we don't do show prep on this show. We go live. I'm sure somebody's cussing me. You stupid sons of bitches don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, most of the time we don't. It'd, it'd be great if I cared. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. No, MetLife was the year that I went. That was in uh, New Jersey. Anyway, uh, and I thought back to last year's WrestleMania and how Sting had his first ever WrestleMania match against Triple H, and he lost his match too. And 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 I got to thinking about it, and I was like, well, you know, that was the the final nail in the coffin for WCW. That was Vince's way of shutting that shit down and humbling Sting and getting that final retribution against WCW. Fast forward a year later, AJ Styles has his first match in the company, and he loses to Chris Jericho. And he lost to Chris Jericho, ladies and gentlemen, because that was Vince McMahon's way of killing the franchise of TNA. Because for so many years, AJ Styles was the face and the franchise of TNA Wrestling. And that was just his way of humbling AJ and just kind of getting his own just desserts on TNA. In my opinion, that's exactly what it was. Yeah, it was his way of being a douchebag. And and here's why. See, normally I would have said to you, lighten up, that ain't what it's about. But here's why I agree with you. They had 15 fucking matches before this. You couldn't have had AJ lose one of those that wasn't at WrestleMania and let him go over being it was his first WrestleMania, you know, and look, JJ and I can neither confirm nor deny that that was Vince's thought, you know, but it was, yeah, I always felt that, that when it comes to like petty shit, a high school locker room has nothing. A, A junior high school locker room can't compare to wrestling sometimes just the, the petty little shit that they have to do i mean i don't get what that accomplished no mcmahon is petty as fuck if he didn't make you he's going to break you and harmony and i both agree that you look at guys that, that have come over from other companies vince puts them through a period where he breaks them down and then molds them into what he wants them to be and i'm sure that that was also a test to see how humble AJ was and if he could handle it. More on that when we get to Raw. Yeah, which I got a lot of thoughts on that shit, but... Let me see. I don't even know what match was next. We had the New Day in uh, which... Did did it even turn out to be a three-on-four against the League of Shit? (laughs) Oh, yes, the New Day. I I did love their entrance, though. I I got to say, it wasn't the entrance they wanted. They wanted to ride down on fucking unicorns which I guess in some way would have been epic. But while this match is going on with, with AJ and Jericho, they're setting up this big box of bootios on the stage. 
And so the next match is, is is obviously New Day in the League of Nations. You know, you hear the New Day's music and shit. You see this big box of bootios. They're inside the box of bootios. They knock it over, and you got these big Cheerio-looking things that pop out. I guess they're bootios. And then here comes the New Day dressed like characters from fucking Dragon Ball Z. What a WrestleMania entrance, folks. I'm actually a member of a few Dragon Ball Z Facebook groups. I, am I would have never guessed. Massive Dragon Ball Z geek. I can tell you the history of that show from day one. And I know even non-wrestling, I posted it in one of the groups where a lot of these guys don't even watch wrestling and they're like, oh shit, that's fucking awesome. Fucking, for, for those who are Dragon Ball Z fans, what killed me, what mad me on the floor in tears was Xavier actually has his hair spiked up like Goku's. Yeah, that's pretty awesome, I gotta say. Fucking awesome, man. So we also get the League of Nations. Barrett not wrestling in this particular match, so it's a three-on-three. In a surprising decision, the booking here... Okay, I guess it was after AJ and and Jericho where the booking just kind of took a turn here. I kind of felt New Day was going to win here, and that didn't happen. The League of Nations got the win. Barrett interfered and I believe hit the bull hammer on Xavier, which then allowed Sheamus to hit the road kick and pin Xavier. And then they proceeded to get on the microphone and Barrett said that there's no three people that could beat the League of Nations, which prompted HPK's music to hit. He comes out dressed in full fucking wrestling gear and looked like a million bucks. We hear Mick Foley's music. Here comes Mick, looking like Mick. And then we hear the glass shatter. And that familiar Stone Cold Steve Austin, who's wearing jeans, sneakers, and an Austin shirt. And the crowd popped the biggest of the entire night when Steve Austin came out. It was a pretty big pop for all three of those guys, but Austin overshadowed all of them. So then we have a beatdown of the League of Nations by HBK Foley and Steve Austin, which I thought was fantastic. Uh, Alberto Del Rio got super, uh, sweet chin music out of his fucking boots. It was hilarious. Yes. Sean hit it good. Sean fucking killed him. Yeah. Uh, who was it? Oh, Rusev fucking took the stunner from Austin. Best stunner sell I've ever seen in my life. Rusev took that shit like a champ. Oh, dude. he. I hate to say this. And this is wrestling blasphemy. He sold it better than Kurt Angle. Rusev literally bounced three fucking times. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't an oversell. He fucking fucking hit great. I mean, it was just that one bounce, and it was just fantastic. I mean, (laughs) you know, Foley, who did he he put fucking uh, Sacco? Wasn't it? Uh, uh, One of those losers. Who cares? I I don't even give a shit. But anyway, it was nice to see those guys. And then, of course... After the beatdown, New Day is celebrating. They're getting uh, Shawn Michaels and, and Foley to dance, and Xavier gets in uh, gets in the face of of uh, Austin and tries to get him to dance. And Steve starts, you know, doing the, the fucking finger dances and was keeping up with him and has this big shit eating grin. You knew it was coming. Yeah, you fucking knew without oh, yeah. a shadow of a doubt that Steve Austin was going to stun him, and he does. <laughs> he stuns poor Xavier Woods. And Big E's reaction was fantastic. He's like, what are you doing? 
It was great. I mean, all three of these guys are drinking beer, having a good time. It was a good rub for the new day to get, uh, you know, the rub from those three guys. I still think they could have put the new day over if they wanted to and had the League of Nations attack afterwards and beat them down. Either way, I mean, it is what it is. The tag titles weren't really on the line, so I guess it doesn't matter. But I was a little confused at that booking. It was only booked that way so they could set up, uh, obviously, the legends coming out and having their way with the League of Nations. So I was okay with that match. See, I wasn't. I'm really, really upset, and I made sure I went on Twitter and Facebook and let everyone know that Sean said he would never wrestle again. That really pissed me off. I mean, I was beside myself with anger. I threw things in the air. I actually destroyed my TV and had to buy a new one because, God damn it, he said he'd never wrestle again. He didn't. He went, I out, know. He, he went out and super kicked the motherfucker. I know. But it, again, we go back to the shit, just me browsing the internet. I've actually heard people say that. It, it, it's, it's just amazing, man. But, yeah, it was fun. I tell you, though, man, I, I kind of got a little upset seeing Mick walk down to the ring. Man, he, he looks fucking rough. Well, you know, I think we all knew that Mick was going to suffer from problems when he got older because, I mean, he, he put a lot of abuse on his body, and, and he does look a little rough. And, and I love Mick Foley to death, but five years he'll be in a wheelchair. Mark my words. And I hate to say that, but, hope not. but his body's shot. By the way, did they let Sean know months in fucking advance that this was going to – I mean, Sean looked great. I mean, it was the first time I seen Sean in wrestling gear, and I don't know how long. They, I, they they put the offer out to him a long time ago. They wanted him for a match, and he declined. Well, he sure as shit looks like maybe he's one of those fucking gym addicts. You know, I know he's got the to- he had the total gym at one time, but the motherfucker's keeping himself in shape, I'll tell you that. Oh, he's in fantastic shape. But a good segment, great pop. Like I said, Austin got the biggest pop of the night at that point. I, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, what was our next match? Do you remember? Um, was it the, was it the women's? Was, no, if I'm not mistaken, I believe the next match was Lesnar and Ambrose. Yeah, I think you're right. The positioning of that one was weird. Um, this mm-hmm. was one of the matches I was really looking forward to because I wanted to see something spectacular. You know, I mean, Brock's is fucking certifiable monster, and every interaction he's had with Dean Ambrose, he's fucking owned him. On Monday Night Raw. I mean, he has owned Ambrose up to this point. We, we saw Ambrose even lose to Triple H. You know, at Roadblock. And I kind of felt like Dean needed something here. Um, the match went about eight minutes. Yeah. Dean was suplexed 13 times. Once onto a pile of chairs. That was, like, the finish. The finish of the match was he got German suplexed onto a pile of chairs. And then he was F5'd onto the same pile of chairs. And he was pinned promptly. An eight-minute match against Brock Lesnar. And I thought this was the biggest fucking horseshit of the fucking night. Now, let me state that I have no problem with the idea that Brock Lesnar can beat a Dean Ambrose. Because he can. If it was a straight-up wrestling match, Brock would fucking wipe the floor with Dean Ambrose. I have no doubt. But when you make the stipulation no holds barred and weapons are involved, it's a street fight, anything goes, I kind of got to give the edge to the guy 
that was the king of CZW that was used to doing fucking hardcore matches and using weapons and doing all kinds of crazy fucking shit. But no, no, we, we can't push Dean Ambrose because Dean Ambrose is not a main event player. Dean Ambrose is not our guy. So instead, we see him buried in an eight-fucking-minute match, and I was just in total disbelief. Because, you know, the one thing I could take away from CM Punk that he was right on was that why should a full-time guy lose to a part-time guy when that guy is not going to be there the next night on Raw? And after everything they've done for Brock Lesnar, the push that he's gotten, uh, beating The Undertaker at WrestleMania 30, beating the crap out of John Cena, why couldn't they have given a little bit back to a guy that they kind of needed in their main event? Because now where does Dean Ambrose go from here? The only thing they've given me about his character is that he fucking loses. Is that he's crazy and he fucking loses every match he's in. It really, it really hurt him to lose here. You know, a lot of times I say wins and losses don't matter. But when you get a guy that's constantly fucking getting beat by everybody and you put him in a, in a, in a, in a match where the stipulation benefits him and he fucking gets his ass beat in eight minutes brutally, you've pretty much killed Dean Ambrose at this point. I mean, it would not have hurt Brock to lose. Not one fucking bit would that loss have hurt Brock Lesnar. I think it's to the point where somebody... See, here's the thing. Brock being this monster and all that, that's great. But at some point, someone needs to go to Brock and say, look, it's time now. You got to put someone over. But see, I I don't think it was Brock. No. Brock Brock would have put him over. No problem. Brock doesn't give a fuck as long as he gets paid. This This was a Vince McMahon booking decision. This had nothing to do with Brock Lesnar. He goes and does what he's told to fucking do. I'm sure that given the opportunity, Brock was like, yeah, I don't mind putting him over. But that's not what happened. That was Vince McMahon making the call that they were not going to fucking push Dean Ambrose. They were not going to do anything special with him. And that he was promptly going to lose in eight minutes to fucking Brock Lesnar. And that's what they did. And it's fucking horse shit. And this was the one thing that really, this was the start of really pissing me off. I mean, the AJ Jericho thing pissed me off. But once we got to this match, I was pretty much full on fucking rage. Can we take a break for a second? Let me ask you a question. When does it get to a point where someone's actions can be interpreted as delusional or or mentally unstable? Is it possible for a human being, a living being, to have that type of ego where you would rather, like, I don't know how to phrase this. Where you'd rather fuck up your show than just say, you know what, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Dean Ambrose is a main event player. And I'm not saying, Dean, sure, he could have got his ass kicked in a 20-minute match. Let him get his fucking ass kicked. And then finally, he goes, gets some type of weapon, beats the shit out of Brock. You know, maybe puts a chair over the leg and fucks up Brock's leg or something. Does something where he can get a one, two, three on Brock. And again, you know, people are going to understand. We wrestling fans are smart enough. Yes, a straight up wrestling match. Brock Lesnar puts Dean Ambrose in the hospital for a year. But in a hardcore match like that, where there's no holds barred, because I don't know about you, 
But in realistic fashion, if they locked me in a cage with Brock Lesnar and weapons and said, you can use anything you want to beat this motherfucker, I'm, I, yeah, I'm going to go to kill this guy with whatever weapon I have because I know what kind of beast he is. It was so underwhelming. I mean, it was without a doubt the most dis the most and i know we'll get into some other disappointing things but to me this was the most disappointing thing on that card without a doubt without a doubt it was very underwhelming and i felt bad for dean ambrose i absolutely felt bad for him you know he has been a very consistent um mainstay for the last couple of years with them and he's been a fan favorite the people have been behind dean ambrose more so than they ever were behind roman reigns I think when you look at the Shield and the breakup of the Shield, the two standouts would be Seth Rollins and fucking Dean Ambrose. Yeah, and Seth was a guy who, you know, when the Shield broke up, I'm like, you know, Seth, Seth's gone. You know, he's back to NXT in a month. And God bless the man. Fuck me. You know, he did great. And it wasn't even, did they push him? Yes, but he also did step up his game. He earned it. He, he stepped up his game on the mic. In the ring, he was always phenomenal. But he stepped up his game on the mic, deserves it. Ambrose deserves it. Roman, he, they've just totally fucked him over, too. They fucked him over, but in a different way than they're fucking over Ambrose. He's their chosen guy. I mean, that, that's how they fucked him. They've made him the chosen guy. I'm not saying the guy doesn't work. I'm sure he works hard. He has not been as consistent as the Dean Ambrose or Seth Rollins. He doesn't work nearly as hard as those two guys in a fucking match. Roman Reigns is all about throwing a Superman punch and a spear. 90% of his match is throwing multiple Superman punches and hitting a spear once or twice. And we'll get to that when we get to the main event because it was incredibly fucked up. But anyway... I was very pissed off to see Dean Ambrose get beaten like that. I know Brock's a beast. I get it. I'm a huge Brock Lesnar fan. But Dean Ambrose needed that win more than Brock Lesnar did. Damn, what a way to just whip it out and piss on the guy who, when when Roman had to go get his surgery, who really stepped up and carried Raw for a month or two. You know, what a way to reward that guy and say thank you to him. Yeah, but the, have him, you the, know. the same could be said for Dolph Ziggler two years ago. True, absolute, abs, absolutely, 100%. Dolph Ziggler fucking carried that fucking main event at the Survivor Series, was the sole survivor of John Cena's team, was the fucking workhorse, got the fucking win for his team with help from Sting, and they repaid him with firing him on an angle and then... Roman came back, and he was thrown back to oblivion. They had an opportunity to do something with Dolph Ziggler. That was, that was Dolph's last chance to really fucking have a run. And as soon as Roman came back, they fucking discarded him like he was from the island of misfit toys. You're old school, right? Remember the days where if you proved you could get yourself over, they pushed you? Remember those good old days? I remember when the fans used to get behind people. That's that's how you knew you could push that guy. Yeah. Do you think Do you think Steve Austin would have ever gotten over if the fans hadn't got behind him? Do you think The Rock would have ever been a success? Well, I mean, obviously they they fucking hated his guts because he was being pushed down their throat. But do you think that that organic rise of The Rock would have happened if the people didn't get behind him? Oh, I mean, you know, 
you look at Austin, you know, he was a guy who they didn't really, if you believe everything you read, they didn't have confidence in him. They brought him in as, come on, the fucking ringmaster, Ted DiBiase's bitch. I mean, the people you know? got behind Mick Foley, and look what happened to him. You know, they had to give, they had to do something with Foley, and, and they, they made him a three-time champion. It might have been short runs, but the people were behind Foley. I mean, when a guy gets to the point where he's he's built organically and the people have, have a following with that person and they're invested in him, that's when you push a guy. See, WWE has this, this philosophy now that, well, this is the guy that's going to replace John Cena, whether you like him or not, and we're going to fucking push him down your throat. Whether you think he's ready or not, he's our guy. You know, CM Punk talks about how when they formed the shield, it was his idea and how he wanted Chris Hero and he wanted Dean Ambrose and he wanted Seth Rollins. And they nixed the hero idea so they could put their own guy in there. And who's the guy that, that of those three they wanted to be their guy? Seth Rollins. It wasn't Seth Rollins. Did he get a nice little run? Absolutely. But their chosen guy has always been Roman Reigns. And, again, I, I don't hate Roman Reigns. I kind of like him. But I think they put way too much stock in this kid. He's not ready to be the guy. Do you remember the pop when Dolph Ziggler cashed in? I do. I was sitting in. I, I, I was. I was literally sitting in my hotel room in New York City because I didn't go to Raw that night. We were getting ready to leave the next morning, so I. I, I didn't go to see Raw. I'm sitting in, in in the hotel, watching Raw with Harmony. And the pop that Dolph Ziggler got because the fans were behind him and had been behind him for years that he got in that fucking arena in the IZOD Center when he cashed in on Alberto Del Rio was fucking amazing. And if you remember, that was that brief, failed, uh, just wretched experiment of turning uh, 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 ADR face. Dolph was actually the heel. And when I'm here to show the world, hit on the Titantron, the fucking roof came off that place. I, I, I don't get it, man. I, I don't. It's not that I don't get it. It's that I don't understand how people in that company don't get it, how Vince McMahon doesn't get it. But he doesn't. It's not that he doesn't get it. He doesn't give a fuck. He's going to fucking make it work no matter what or die trying. Well, the defin- I know we need to move on, but the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. So the next match, I think, was the women, right? Yes. Okay, so we had this triple threat women's match, which was fantastic. Uh, first one to come out was, was Becky, who I was pulling for. I wanted, I wanted so badly to see Becky walk away the, the women's champion because she's been chasing it for so long. It would have been a great uh, underdog story. You had uh, Sasha Banks come out. The chick that, that sings her song was performed live, and then Snoop came out as well and, and rapped part of her, her music as well, which was great. It was a great fucking entrance for Sasha. She was wearing an outfit that was uh, inspired by Eddie Guerrero. It was very Latino Heat-esque. And then, of course, Charlotte comes out with her dad, and she's wearing uh, Ric Flair's robe from WrestleMania 24 when he fought Shawn Michaels. Only they modified it to make it a little more feminine looking. And I thought that was fantastic. She's got the Divas title on. She's got the fucking flare robe. It was great. Fantastic match. Match of the fucking night, in my opinion, between these three. Uh, it had everything. It had some great 
chain wrestling spots. There was some there was some great spots. At one point, I think uh, I can't remember who had who in a submission, but Sasha went to the top and broke it up with a fucking frog splash. That was just fantastic. Yeah, but the finish came when Charlotte locked in the uh, the figure eight on Becky. And as Sasha tried to get back in the ring to break it up, Ric Flair held her down, wouldn't let her get in the ring, and, of course, Becky tapped. So Charlotte becomes your first ever WWE Women's Champion because they're not acknowledging that the other belt was the WWE Women's Championship. But she becomes the, the Women's Champion. And I was okay with this. I wanted to see Becky win. I would have been okay with Sasha winning. But I was okay with Charlotte retaining because... At the end of the day, it meant that a flair finally won at WrestleMania. I'm fine with it too. Although I think for me, I Sasha, I right now she's my favorite. I, she is my favorite in the main roster women's division. I love the whole boss gimmick. She is great. I, I'm not trying to downplay Becky, not at all. But I doubt I wanted my girl to win so bad. I, I thought it would have been so cool. Everything about that match was fine, but again. And you and I may disagree on this. If Charlotte would have just won, fine. But this shit, this ending that they're using, what I wanted to see, and my sister was watching with us too, and she's a big Sasha fan, we agreed. I would have fucking loved to have seen Snoop just go out and start beating the shit out of Ric Flair on the outside. Have the two of them fight to the fucking back or something. And if you want Charlotte to win, fine, let Charlotte win. But I don't. I think she should have won without shenanigans. That that's. I know she's a heel, but I'm just tired of this. That's whole what they flag. do, bro. Fucking heels cheat. I was, you know what? That's what made it special was that Ric Flair fucking held Sasha down, and kept her from getting back in the ring, and the flares cheated. That's what they fucking do. They're flares. I thought it was fantastic. Are you kidding me? I mean, that's what heels do, bro. That's how they, they, they like. They like just, go go back and watch some classic WrestleManias. Do you remember when the Warrior? Remember when the Warrior lost the Intercontinental Title to to Rick Rude? It was oh, because yeah, Bobby Heenan, Heenan the sure. was holding the fucking legs, man. I'm telling you, it was a throwback to what fucking heels do, and I thought it was fantastic. If she'd have won it any other way, I don't know that I'd have been happy. But the fact that Ric Flair kept Sasha from getting in, that Becky tapped, she was in the figure eight, Charlotte wins, the Flairs cheat. Made it fucking special. And like I said, for the first time ever at a WrestleMania, the fucking Flares win. You're such a fucking heel. Okay, I, I see your I see your point. I don't know. I, I just thought she could have just won. I will say this. Flair, Rick did take a fucking nice bump. <laughs> he got fucking. But, but I, I would have I been okay, too, with Snoop Dogg coming out and decking Rick Flair. That would have been pretty, pretty fucking cool, too. See, I thought that's because when he came out with her, at first, I thought Snoop had stayed at ringside. And then when the bell rang, I didn't see him anymore. And I'm like, ah, shit. I just thought that would have worked. But Flair still did end up taking a nice bump. Oh, yeah. I think Charlotte, I can understand. I think like it's kind of a nod to the Flair family that she's the, well, she's the first new women's champion. As you said, there were women's champions before. I mean, I'm okay with it. I think Charlotte may hold it for a little bit, and some, you know, I don't know where they're going to go with that. And I like that they they have really made. I don't know if it's maybe Stephanie getting in her dad's ear, 
but they have really done a great job of really revitalizing the women's division. I'm going to tell you right now, if I was booking this thing, Charlotte would keep that belt till SummerSlam. The next big fucking pay-per-view is when she needs to drop that title. And if it's to Sasha, fine. If it's to Becky, fine. I don't care. If Bailey shows up and they fucking drop it to her, that's fine. Yeah. But, but I think that she keeps it till SummerSlam, and then you have that big fucking show in the summer, and that's when she fucking drops that belt. Yeah, it, it could work. It could work. I, I think you're right. I think she's going to hold it for a bit. I mean, she got the plates. Saw the video today. She got the big Charlotte plates put on the side, which I think is cool. The robe thing was fucking dope. And kudos to the announcers for telling us the history of that robe. I thought that was fucking great. Because, I mean, if you look at the face challengers that she could have. You got Natalia. You got Paige. You've got... Um there's there's several females you know you got another match with becky you got an individual match with sasha i mean they they could make this this work for quite a while just keep it away from eva marie and we're fine <laughs> yeah i don't think there's any danger there um moving on i think next up was the hell in the cell right mm-hmm. ah, yeah this this is gonna this is gonna be some good discussion here oh boy See, because i was i was very uh this was not a very good match. No, I mean I, let's I, let's let, let's be real. This was not a good match. Um, they spent thirty minutes setting up for this fucking spot where Shane was going to go up to the top and and fucking do that shit. And it was just very slow paced. It was not a good match at all. My biggest problem with the match was that Vince McMahon was not there. Why was Vince McMahon not at ringside? I mean, yeah. we're talking about the fate of his, his show, his company, was on the fucking line. And I figured he would be there. I thought it was cool that Shane brought his kids out in his entrance, and they were sitting in the front row, and his wife was was right there. They really could have made something special with this. They, they could have built some drama. And I really didn't feel like it was there. They had some cool spots. They had that big death-defying stunt, which I, I still can't believe they, they okayed and, and decided to do. But what ended up happening here was Shane goes to the top. Undertaker's laid out on top of the table. He climbs up the cell. Takes way too long. Jumps off. The Undertaker moves, and Shane goes to the announce table. So then the Undertaker picks him up, puts him in the ring, tombstones him on the fucking steps. One, two, three, it's over. It was very anticlimactic it was like a fucking car wreck well it wasn't a match it was a spot it was a, they, it was a spectacle it wasn't a match they should have just had the match start shane go to the top jump through the table moving on because that's all it was now you the, know the, and look let me just say this okay and i don't want to, to come off the wrong way fucking kudos to shane his balls are about 20 times bigger than mine because I wouldn't have done that shit for all the tea in China. So I'm not taking away from that. But, I mean, man, look, how much better would it have been to have, well, the match itself could have been better. But imagine Vince McMahon out there while it, being chained took 15 minutes anyway. You could have had Vince on the mic maybe showing a little sympathy. It's not worth it, Shane. You know what I mean? It's not worth it. Don't do this. Even the company's not worth this. Don't. Maybe show a little humanity. And then Shane jumps through the table and like Vince grabs his head like, oh my God, what have I fucking done? 
and then I'd take her, drag him in, get the one, two, three. And Vince is happy, but yet, and that would have transitioned better into what happened on Raw. If Vince maybe would have showed a little concern, like, you know, Jesus Christ, it's still my son. You know what I mean? There was so much more they could have done. Well, let me, let me, let me, okay. If I had the magic ink pen and I could book this match. No, here we go. (laughs) This is how I would have done this. I would have had Vince out there. He wouldn't have started. He wouldn't have been out there at the start of the match. But as as time progressed, he'd come out to, to get a closer look. You know, as Shane is getting some offense on the undertaker and, you know, he, he's kicking out of all these false finishes. I'd have Vince come down to, to ringside and start yelling at Taker to finish him. You know, not showing any fucking compassion for his son whatsoever. Because, again, it, it, he said it's not his son. It was his biggest mistake. And he wanted the Undertaker to destroy him. Yeah. They do the spot where they, where they break the fucking cell. So now they're outside the cell. And Vince is getting in the Undertaker's face, and he's yelling at him. The Undertaker's looking at him like, you better fucking stop talking to me like that, old man. And the Undertaker's taking his aggression out on Shane. So then they go over to where Shane's family is. And Taker's beating him down. And maybe you have the the kids jump over the rail and plead with the Undertaker to show mercy on their father. And then maybe you have Vince McMahon go and yell at the kids. Like, get your ass back over the rail. Your father's worthless. And he just talks shit to his grandchildren. And the Undertaker stops and he looks. And he takes it in. And it's almost like that fucking scene in Return of the Jedi. Where the Emperor's fucking using the lightning and he's he's fucking up Luke Skywalker. And Vader is looking at Luke, who's pleading with him to help him. And he's looking at the Emperor, who's taking such delight in the fact that he's killing this guy. And the Undertaker decides then and there to have a moment of conscience and a moment of clarity. And he ends up sacrificing himself for the betterment of the WWE to get back at Vince McMahon. So maybe you have a a situation where Undertaker goes to tombstone him and he allows Shane to roll him up. And Shane rolls up the Undertaker, one, two, three. People are, are, are shocked. But in reality, the Undertaker has allowed this to happen. So then you have Vince McMahon get in the ring and start berating the Undertaker. And so the Undertaker grabs him, choke slams him, picks him up, fucking tombstones him. There you go. There you go. He sacrificed himself. Shane didn't beat him in a legitimate wrestling match. The Undertaker made a conscious decision to do what was best for business. And he saw what what Vince was doing to, to Shane's kids and to Shane and decided to sacrifice his own career for the betterment of the company. And that's how you fucking do it, folks, right there. And I'd add two things to it. One, first of all, brilliant. I fucking love it. But far better than I did. I give you I give you credit where it's due. I don't kiss JJ's ass, but I'll give him credit where it's due. That that was great. Two things though. You have Taker maybe help Shane up and just walk over and spit on Vince. And that your scenario would have worked beautifully also if that had been the last match. That would have been a great way to close Mania. Yeah, that's how I would have ended it. Because mm-hmm. rumors, from what I understand, Undertaker left his gloves in the in, in the ring. He took them off and left them in the ring. 
which is very old school for like he, he was supposedly telling people over the weekend this is um, a stand this is rumors that I'm hearing that he, he told them that was his final match. So if it was gonna be his final match anyway, why didn't they just go out with Shane beating him, whether he sacrifices himself or not? You know, and I think it would have been a great gesture for Undertaker to, you know, go up to Shane and raise his hand and hug him and, you know, then he beats the fuck out of Vince or whatever, right? But it would have been a great moment. You could have ended the show with that. And was it a great main event? Not really. Was the story important enough to, to main event the show and close the show? Absolutely. I just thought it was crazy that the fate of your show and the fate of your company wasn't the main event. It was Roman and Triple H. And I'm not taking anything away from that being a title match. But when the fate of your company is less important than your title, that, that, that's kind of weird, man. And even to go even further, you really want to put the nail in the coffin. While Vince is laid out, maybe Steph, well, depending on how Stephanie and Roman, uh, Stephanie and Roman, wow. How Triple H and Roman would have went because that would have happened beforehand. You know, Stephanie and Triple H come out and they're, they're kneeling over Vince and both of them are, you know, Stephanie's crying and, and you know, freaking Triple H is distraught because he's lost his power. And maybe Shane and Taker are just, you know, standing on the outside looking at each other, laughing, whatever. Oh, it could have been so fucking great. Well, that's that's the decision they went with, and it, it is what it is, right? So after this, we have the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Yep. We don't have – I think there's there were certain people they said were going to be in it. They didn't give you a whole list of people that, that were officially in the match. Uh, surprise was Baron Corbin was in it. And then Shaq, ladies and gentlemen. Shaquille O'Neal makes his way down to the ring, and him and Big Show start things off, you know, going toe-to-toe, doing the double goozle. Kane comes in, gets double choke slammed by both Show and Shaq. And then everybody else in the match takes out Shaq and Big Show. They go tumbling over the top rope, which I thought was great. I still want to see Shaq versus Big Show at WrestleMania. Just one-on-one match. I think that would be fantastic. I think Shaq could do it, too. He's in great shape. I've been waiting to see that shit for years. I've been wanting them to go that route. But, you know, ever since the first time they had him guest host Raw, when him and Show got into each other's faces, I was like, Dude, that would be such an epic fucking WrestleMania match for a celebrity. Big Show versus Shaq. That would be fucking awesome. Yeah, Never and happened. I know Shaq is a big brother, man, but I, I had forgotten the comp. I knew that he and uh, Show had, you know, had that confrontation, but I forgot the height. And when Shaq is standing there, I'm like, this motherfucker's just as tall as Show. I'm like, Jesus. Yeah, that that would. I think that would be fantastic. It might not sure. be the most technical wrestling match ever. Who cares? But, but it, it would be a nice slugfest between two giants. I think that'd be fantastic. Um, I was pulling for Mark Henry to win. I don't know what happened with Mark Henry, but there was a good space of this match where he wasn't even in the match. He was on the outside, and he did finally come in and did some things, but uh, he got eliminated pretty quick. I just thought it would be cool if Mark Henry had his last hurrah because he's supposed to be retiring later this year. I swear I thought he had gotten eliminated. And then when I saw, I swear I forgot about him. And then when he came back in the ring, I'm like, oh, shit, that's right. You know, he was gone for a minute. Yeah. Uh, but in the end, Baron Corbin threw out Kane finally. that was the la- They were the last two guys. He came in from behind and threw Kane over the top. So Baron Corbin 
from NXT, the Lone Wolf, wins the Andre Battle Royal, which I thought that was cool that a new guy came in and they they gave it to somebody a little different. That was pretty cool. So kudos to Baron Corbin. I was okay with it. I have no problem with it. I mean, it's not like it's a championship or anything, but it's a nice it's a nice little way to get Baron into the main roster. I'm 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 cool with that. Gives him a little bragging rights. I have no issue with that. And I guess next up was our main event. No, next up was something that I'm going to try to preserve my voice for this. The Rock comes out <laughs> and pimps out what the fuck did he pimp out? I don't even remember. Like I no. said, like I said, are we doing this? Next up was the main event. All right, no, you you really want to talk about this? Okay, go ahead. I do. All right, I go do, ahead. and I'll tell you why. All right, one hundred and one thousand people, blah blah blah, whatever. But what pissed me off is the lights go out. Come the Wyatts, and Bray starts talking shit on the Rock. The Rock comes back and, and acts like The Rock. He talks about him eating Hot Pockets and shit like that. And then we actually have an impromptu match, which may have broke, may or may not have broken a record, if you want to consider it a, a legit match, where The Rock beats Eric Rowan in like six seconds. Yep. Here's how I would have booked this. I would have had all, th- all of the Wyatts come out, lay in the center of the ring while the steel cage was still up. And I would have had Vince McMahon pull down his pants and just taken a steaming liquid shit on every one of the Wyatts. That would have been so much clearer and so much better. Or maybe Vince could have just backed a fucking cement truck into all of the Wyatts, killing them. We could have had that. Yeah, there's maybe, that. You know... I am just, I have never felt more fucking sorry, okay? And Vince, if you hear this, you can blow me. I'm a Bray Wyatt fan. I think he's one of the, I know he's hurt. I think he's one of the best talkers you have. And I know it was Rowan who technically took the quote-unquote fall. But could you have not booked these guys in some type of match instead of having them come out? And bend over and take it in the ass from the rock? Really? I, I mean, did, 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 did these guys pull a macho man and fuck Stephanie? No, see, Rock had proposed this to Vince because he wanted to do something big. And he thought that by the Wyatt family interacting with him, they were getting a rub for, for, from him. And, and that's kind of what happened. See, here's my thing. I was okay with the back-and-forth promo. I think... If this would have built to a match next year at WrestleMania where Rock took on Bray Wyatt, that would have been fucking fantastic. In oh, fact, yeah. I'd still like to see that happen, to be quite honest. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But the fact that he's got his 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 uh, his tights and shit under his, his clothes, he takes his shit off, and he's like, yeah, I want to have a match. And then they throw Eric Rowan to the fucking Wolves, and it's a six-second match really pissed me off. Could could Eric Rowan maybe have gotten some offense on Rock? I mean, could we start it off maybe with the Rock beating him down and then and Rowan, you know, maybe whips him in the corner and then 
Maybe Braun Strowman gets involved and the referee calls for a disqualification. And then you have the Wyatt family kicking the shit out of fucking The Rock and they're all taking turns beating him down and The Rock can't overcome the odds. And then all of a sudden, fucking John Cena's music hits from out of nowhere. And then here comes John Cena to make the save. And he and The Rock fight off the Wyatts. The Wyatts look fucking strong. The Rock looks fucking strong. John Cena makes a triumphant return and looks fucking strong. And then everybody looks fucking strong. The Wyatts fucking powder and they fucking leave. And then you got Rocket John Cena standing in the ring. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Segment over. Yeah, the whole John Cena return, I, I, I'll i be honest with you. You know, but, I don't want to rewind. But, to no, the but, but wouldn't that have worked? Uh, absolutely. Would, would, would that have killed the Wyatt family? Would it, would it have made them look like they were publicly executed? No. And I'm amazed, you know, just rewinding to the Hall of Fame for a second with John Cena, man. I'm amazed that he's back from injury and he's still getting booed. And it's- if they'd have been smart, they'd have had Sasha induct her fucking her cousin and they would have saved that shit for WrestleMania. Because you knew as soon as you saw him at the Hall of Fame that somewhere or another he was going to be at WrestleMania. It would have been so much better had they fucking held off and had John Cena go out there and fucking make the save without anybody knowing that he was he was ready to come back. Am I right or am I wrong? No, you're right. I just, that, I mean, that just pissed. I don't understand how, if I had a chance to write for them, the plethora of of booking scenarios that come into my head for the Wyatts because Bray is particularly in my eyes is such a great character and you know what when I start getting invested in the character yeah I get a little angry when I see them get mistreated and I mean I just think I I don't know where, where you go with these guys you've killed them I've heard people say you need to repackage them I you didn't need to repackage them they were fine the way they came in but you, you totally fucked it well, you know, and a lot of people will, again, say, oh, well, you know, I listened to a radio show today reviewing WrestleMania, and they were talking about how, you know, the young guys shouldn't always get over on the legends. And I'm not saying that they should. But in this instance, I think it would have been more beneficial to have the Wyatt family beat the rock down. And even if they started to carry him off to the back like they used to do, and then you had Cena's music hit, and he comes out and he saves The Rock, and then you know him and Cena clean house on the Wyatts, and they powder, and that's how you end the segment. That would have worked. But I didn't see anything beneficial at what they did. The fact that Eric Rowan now has a record of losing to The Rock in six seconds at WrestleMania is fucking blasphemous. That, is, that, is, that will be remembered forever because it happened at a WrestleMania. Yeah, and two guys who a few years ago were talking shit about each other's mothers, you know, all of a sudden, well, gee, Rock, hi, it's me, John. Do you want to go in the back and I'll show you some San Andreas? Oh, yeah, let's go, John. You know, I mean, all of a sudden, they're best buddies. I, I well, uh, but, but see, I, I don't even have a problem with that. I just had a problem with the way the Wyatts were treated. It, to me, it, it, to me, it was almost like the, it was like WrestleMania, what was it, uh, WrestleMania 8? when it was Hogan and Sid and then Papa Shango and Sid are, are putting the boots to, to Hogan. And then out of nowhere comes the warrior to help Hogan, even the odds 
to me, that's exactly what you had with Rock and Cena. Those two big baby faces that were cornerstones of the company that overcame the odds. I just didn't like the way the Wyatts were handled. You know, was it cool that Bray got to interact with The Rock? Absolutely. Was it cool after that? Not so much. And if this leads to a match between them next year, I'm all for it. If Rock would be willing to come in at a WrestleMania and put Brock, or excuse me, if Rock would be willing to put Bray Wyatt over at a WrestleMania, that'd be fantastic. Because Rock's done everything there is to do in that company. There's nothing that he hasn't done. And oh, and I think he would. And like you said earlier about the, the other match, that, that that wasn't Rock. And that wasn't Cena. That was all Vince McMahon. I know. You know? I mean, I'm sure if, if they would have asked The Rock, listen, do you mind getting your ass kicked for a few minutes by the Wyatts and then Cena's going to come out and save you? I'm sure Rock would have said, no problem. But at I'll- the same time, he's the one that pitched this idea. So I don't know if it was all his idea or if he pitched aspects of it. But he wanted to work with the Wyatts, and if this was the best he could come up with, that kind of sucks. I don't think The Rock's that stupid. I think he probably had an idea, and Vince was like, but how about we do this instead? Um, um, I, I wasn't and, and there. And you're probably right. You're probably right because his booking scenarios the rest of the night pretty much fucking blew donkey chunks. Oh, you want to – do you want to – you want to put on your swimming gear and your snorkel and dive head first into the main event? Oh, let's do this. <laughs> so, main event of the evening, the WWE World Heavyweight Championship match. Roman Reigns against Triple H, the defending champion. And, and we get this crazy-ass entrance from Triple H and Stephanie. And, and I got to be honest, I like this. Yeah, I, I, I liked this entrance a lot better than I did the one last year for them. I thought it was cool, uh, the imagery and stuff that you saw. Did you ever see um, Halloween 3? Yes. And that was the one with the with the, the masks that killed the kids. Had 16 no- days to Halloween. Yeah. Halloween. Had, nothing, yes. had nothing to do with Michael Myers, right? This was, it, this was the fucking Halloween masks, right? It right. was so bad, it was great. But the masks on, on, the, on the, the zombified characters that they had on the screen reminded me of one of the masks in that movie i don't know if that was the inspiration or whatnot but it, it could have been it, i gotta talk to farley about this because he's he's a bigger horror movie buff than me i i don't remember but to me that's that's exactly what they were going for i just love that stephanie was standing over top the entrance and had the headset and was cutting this fucking great promo <laughs> i loved it I, I loved the skull mask she was wearing i thought this was fantastic great fucking intro Oh, fuck the skull mask. I was too busy looking at the outfit she was wearing. Yeah, I hear you. Mm. Of course, mm. Roman didn't have much of an entrance. He he comes down and like... Turn, turn, turn. Yeah, the shield turn. music. There you go. So he comes down and he punches the star in the in the walkway and it lights up, which I thought was pretty cool. But for a WrestleMania entrance for your guy that's going to be winning the championship, I thought it was kind of lame. So anyway... I don't know how long this match lasted, and I didn't really care. It, it never really got out of the starting gate, in my opinion. Triple H tried really hard to make Roman look good, and Roman, to me, didn't seem like he really put any effort into this match because 90% of it was trying to hit his fucking Superman punch. At one point, and, and the crowd is just fucking booing this bastard out of the fucking building. I feel bad for Roman. I do. Yeah, me too. 
because I mean it was overwhelming to the point where I got into an argument with Harmony. She goes, "I hear cheers too." I'm like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" They are booing this son of a bitch out of the fucking building. They tried, but I've heard some real video. I think there might have been some piped-in cheers because... If, if you go back on the network now and watch it, there's something wrong with the audio. They have they have taken and tried to dub um, a track over his intro where people are cheering as opposed to booing. They I are manipulating. They are manipulating you and trying to make you believe you didn't hear what you heard. They were piping that shit over the fucking PA, too. They were trying to drown out the booze with, like, fucking crowd noise of people cheering. That is how how so much propaganda they're putting into this guy. Like, y- you would think that why would you go through all this trouble? You know he's getting booed. Why wouldn't you just fucking roll with this organically and do something? Like, I, I do feel bad for Roman. I don't think this is all his fault. They have done him no favors. No, no, I agree. You know, like, he started to get the fans behind him after Survivor Series. And then I don't remember what happened, but it just stalled out again. When was it when he fucked Triple H? Survivor Series, right? When it, at yes, the end- yes, yes. That, that's, after he beat the shit out of Triple H, that's when yeah. the people started to get behind him. And then when he got the title back, it was like, no. It was right back to where they were. The the match also seemed to me like it had, I don't know, did it seem like there were a lot of rest spots or or did it just look that way? I'm going to be real honest, dude. I don't remember much of this match. It it seemed to, I'm not the only one who feels this way. It seemed to like just, it dragged. It was almost like there was no, I don't know, like no planning. I mean, which I'm surprised because I know how good Triple H is. Well, I, I know that at one part, Triple H is working his arm to try to get rid of the Superman punch. But when he's working his arm, he's working the other fucking arm. He's not working the hand that he hits with. Yeah. You know, and I, I, it just it just seemed like they never got out of the starting gate. And, and Triple H, and, and to his credit, he tried. But I just felt like Roman didn't put much effort into this match. Like, I know I probably shouldn't say shit like that, but it just did not come across well. In fact, the match was so boring, I don't remember half the spots that happened. I do remember the crowd getting vocal over one where he speared Stephanie. That was probably the biggest ovation he got all night. And then as soon as that was over with, Triple H pedigrees him. He kicks out. Fans are booing again. (laughs) It was short-lived. It didn't last long. But the finish came when Stephanie uh, gave Triple H the sledgehammer, and he goes to uh, hit Roman with it, and Roman hits the spear and pins him one, two, three in the middle of the ring. And the overwhelming chorus of boos when he won that match was just amazing to me. I was just in awe. It was so underwhelming. It, what a way to end your WrestleMania with the crowd just in unison booing the fuck out of your champion. And he's yeah. the baby face, folks. I, I don't know where that thought process was putting that match on last or having that result. I, I don't know. It, 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 oh, it was so desperate. I guess it was that old scenario where we've already got your money, so fuck you. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean and, and so that's how we ended WrestleMania with the, the crowd of the supposed 101,000 in attendance 
booing the shit out of Roman Reigns as we fade to black. And I, I said all along that that was going to happen, but let me uh, let me just tell you that they did not, in fact, have 101,000 people in that arena. Uh, no, I kind of figured they were going to fudge the shit out of that. But, you know, it was funny when I told a friend of mine about this. He goes, well, what did they count? The wrestlers and the crew, too? And I just started laughing. I said, no, that still wouldn't have made up for it. <laughs> well, I think legit, I think Meltzer, somebody said it was like 94,000 is what they actually had as far as the gate. They made $17 million at the gate. And I think it was 94,000. I don't have the exact number, but it was in the 90,000s. It wasn't 101,000. But this is not the first time they've fudged their records. Oh, yeah. Uh, WrestleMania three that was supposedly 93,000 was more like 80,000. Look, I, I, I look at it as a, one of those things. Look, it's still fucking impressive, but I wonder how they but get away lie? with that. Why fucking lie? I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's just the fucking propaganda that they've always done. You know, just like they do the fucking facts every week on their fucking, you know, did you know? And nine times out of ten, that's fucking bullshit, too. It's it's fucking propaganda. Well, it's either bullshit or it's worded in such a way where you can't really say it's not true, but it is. It's 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 weird. I I figured that was going to happen. You know, a hundred. And how did they get a hundred and one something? I guess they wanted just a, a abstract number. Oh, they wanted to fucking blow it away by. They said they were they were gonna do over a hundred thousand. They just they wanted to fucking blow that shit up to another hundred. Like they wanted to get as much as they could out of that shit. Someone had said that Roman Reigns did accomplish something. He got more booze in that stadium than the Dallas Cowboys. No, he he got more uh, booze in that stadium than Tony Romo. I, I know what you're going for there. Something like that. I don't yeah. know, but it was it was. I mean, I, I heard some people. A lot of people took video at WrestleMania, and I heard the legit response. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it, all over the internet, and it was – you would have thought – I can't even remember the last time I heard someone get booed like that. Maybe when Hogan turned heel at Bash at the Beach. <laughs> That's how bad it was. No, I, don't even, I don't even think Hogan got the boos that Roman got. I mean, and, you got to yeah. remember, those WCW shows weren't full-capacity shows, man. And again – in a way, though, I do feel bad for the guy because he's just doing what he's told. He, even he's got to lay down in his bed at night and say, man, you know, yeah, I got the belt, but th this is this ain't working. But he's well, getting paid, so I don't blame him. I mean, well, what can you do? You do what you're told. Well, there, there's a way to fix this. We'll get to that in a few minutes. Uh, letter grade for WrestleMania, Bronx. I gave it my letter grade the other night. I, I got to go with a C-. minus. I'm not going to say it was the it – was, as far as could be from the worst mania I ever saw, but it'll never be in anyone's top 20. Yeah, I wouldn't say it was the worst mania of all time. I'll go with a straight-up C. I mean, there were parts of it that I really enjoyed. It was, it, was, it, was, it was a spectacle. I mean, I still think the best show of the weekend was, was NXT TakeOver, hands down. I think my favorite two matches of the night, one was from NXT TakeOver, and... The other was from, from WrestleMania. It was the triple threat women's match. And I would even say, if I had to pick three matches from the weekend, two of them came from TakeOver. And one of them was the, the tag match with American Alpha winning the tag belts. But aside from that, I spent way too much time watching wrestling or wrestling-related shit over the weekend. 
and I didn't get much out of it. I, I just felt like there was a lot of this WrestleMania that was pretty weak. There were parts of it, again, I did enjoy myself. And there were parts of it that I just sat there with my head, scratching my head just in awe. Like, what the fuck are you thinking? You know, they really didn't do a lot to benefit the future. Like I said, Brock Lesnar's a part-time guy, and he's still one of their marquee guys. Had he put Dean Ambrose over, that's building a future a future superstar. You're putting him in a light where he can be a main event player and can go after the championship and can be a guy that can main event and headline shows. But instead they chose not to make that decision. I was just I was baffled by a lot of the booking decisions. You know, I thought that by having Shane lose, you completely wasted the last month and a half. There was no reason to even do the storyline. It was so obvious that they threw that in there because fucking John Cena couldn't wrestle. And they needed something. Well, they'll, they, it'll go down as people saying, well, let's give him a pass because people were injured. Yes, but... No, no, that, that's, with, no that's bullshit. I'm sick yeah, of this give him a pass bullshit. With fuck, what fuck they that. had, they could have did a lot better. No, I could fucking have that card. I, I fucking had a better card written out than they fucking did. Go back to my well, fucking we, predictions and fucking read the shit that I wrote. I don't work for that company. And I wrote a better fucking WrestleMania card that would have made more fucking sense and finishes that would have made more fucking sense than what they gave you. And that's not my ego talking. That's the God's honest fucking truth. You can go read that. And if you disagree, then fucking feel free to tell me you disagree. But I guarantee you anything I had on fucking paper superseded what they fucking delivered on. No, I believe and I believe it. I mean, I think, you know, there's there's. So much of it could have been done better. You know, you and I both sat here and we both gave ideas about how, you know, again, Vince McMahon not involved in that match. You know what? It, it was just, it, I don't know. The, 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 I mean, the whole thing. How, how was he not involved? I, I don't know. It was for control of his fucking company. It was control of Monday Night Raw, the flagship program. How the fuck was he not involved in it? Like, it, it just made no sense. Anyway... It was a C show. It wasn't. I think it was the weaker of the last three WrestleManias. The last two, I think, were much better than than this one. And I heard somebody say last year's was better than this one. I disagree. No, no fucking way. I, I completely disagree with that statement because last year you had some great fucking moments. Uh, just the fact that Seth Rollins inserted himself in the main event, walked away the champion. Or when Randy Orton RKO'd him from the curb stomp was fucking amazing. There was so much last year compared to this year that was just so much better on so many levels. Oh yeah, I, I agree with no, I I don't even see a comparison without a doubt. I mean last and last year's wasn't great. I'll tell it, it was good. It was in the higher good, but it wasn't great. Exactly. But it was still far better than this year. E exactly. And that's just our opinions. You don't have to agree or disagree. No, absolutely. I don't absolutely no. You know. We're, we're we're just we're just two guys talking about wrestling. Yeah, with over what sixty, seventy something years of res watching wrestling between us. I'm not that fucking old. Between us. Okay, maybe. I'm thirty eight. I've been watching since I was probably five. I've been watching since I was eight. So. So yeah, you put it together. We're we're pushing sixty years, bro. Okay, okay, <laughs> I hear you. All right.
So let's go ahead and briefly discuss last night's Raw. Yeah, please, because I briefly watched it. <laughs> well, we started the show out with Vince McMahon. No authority. Believe it or not, the authority wasn't on the show at all last night. No Triple H, no Stephanie. We start the things off with Vince McMahon, who comes out and gloats about, you know, the Undertaker winning and shows us an envelope, and he goes, yeah, this will, the, the contents of this envelope will never see the light of day. So that was obviously what was in the lockbox. I didn't think they were going to go back and revisit that, but they did. So then Shane's music hits, and he comes out to Vince McMahon's amazement, sporting a hell of a fucking bruise on his cheek. And uh, he's like, well, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. And he goes, well, I came to take care of some things. First and foremost, because I'm a man and you aren't, I want to shake your hand and say the better man won. Yeah, I'm the only man in the family, which I think was a little veiled shot at Triple H, too. No, I think it was more toward Vince. I, yeah. I, I don't think it had anything to do with, with Triple H. But I thought that was cool. We've seen Shane do this before. When he lost uh, the war between WCW and, and ECW and the WWE, he did the same thing. Came out on Raw, he shook his hand, and he walked off. And I was like, well, you know, at least he's doing that. He then told the fans, thank you for everything, and then told them goodbye. And then Vince gets upset and says, nobody upstages me. And he says, hold on a minute. And he asks the crowd if they want to see Shane run Monday Night Raw. And, of course, the crowd is like, yes. And he goes, all right, go for it. Let's see what you got. And he walks off. And I'm well, sitting here watching this, and I'm like, <laughs> what in the fuck just happened here? Can you explain to me in what universe Vince McMahon would watch his son get destroyed? Now, he did say that he had respect for Shane, who was willing to kill himself for control of the company, and he earned his respect. But in what world does that same father allow his son, that he still hates, by the way, take control of the fucking show, and run it how he sees fit, and he leaves the fucking arena. I'm just sitting there, and I'm thinking, this, what the fuck is happening right now? And the best part is Shane pulls a Barry Allen's father and just walks to the back. Okay, thanks, Daddy. Yeah, it's like, I'm in control of Monday Night Raw, but you know what? I'm just going to go to the back here and figure things out. Yeah, no promo. Okay, so here's what we're going to do tonight. Blah, 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 blah. Nope, it was time for a commercial. That's why. I was just in awe. I was yeah, like, I, I was like, so none of this shit made sense. The entire last month and a half of buildup for this Hell in a Cell meant nothing, because now Shane is running Raw anyway, even if it is temporarily. I, I'm still, I'm still kind of confused. I don't know what happened. I felt like I fucking had a bender, and did some cocaine, and woke up, and Shane was running the show. Yeah, I mean, I thought the problems with my nose, I thought some of the new meds I was taking went to my fucking brain. I'm like, what the fuck? All I could picture was Rick James saying, cocaine's a hell of a drug. Uh, I, I didn't get that. I just, I didn't get Vince giving him control, and I didn't get Shane just shrugging and walking. <laughs> what the fuck? So I don't remember what our first match was. Do you? I, I, have, I have no clue. Now explain to me what the fuck here, too, okay? And I saw this, too. This is about when I started tuning out. We had the New Day versus the League of Shit and the New Day for the titles and the New Day retains. And then Sheamus gets the mic and says something about this, something wrong with the League and 
there's a weakest link and they start beating the shit out of Wade Barrett. But then the Wyatts come out and beat the shit out of the League of Nations. Again, th- this happened. Well, so Wade, Wade Barrett is out of the League of Nations and apparently the Wyatts have turned face for whatever reason <laughs> and are fucking going to feud with the League. I don't know the if they turned f- face, but as far as Barrett, he's leaving when his contract's up. And this was their way of, of writing him off. That was why they did that to Barrett. Yeah, I know, but it kind of reminds me like the NWO shit with Booker T, yeah. when Shawn Michaels kicked the fucking shit out of him. It was similar to that. I mean, I know you got to go out on your back, but I hope Wade Barrett makes billions in the indies. I, I He won't. Uh, you know, thought. here's the thing. I don't know what, what the purpose of having the Wyatts come out and beat the league was. I mean, obviously, maybe it's they're going to rebuild the Wyatt family. Because Lord knows they fucking need it after that burial at fucking WrestleMania. Because, again, it did them no favors. And I'm sure people, oh, you're fucking full of shit. They were in the fucking ring with The Rock and John Cena, and they got the fucking rub. No, they didn't get the fucking rub. They didn't get a fucking rub. And if you think that, you're sorely mistaken. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. Once again, confusion. This is about when I, like, tapped out. Now, now the, the shitty thing about the Wyatt family right now is, the, you know, Luke Harper is out injured. He's got a torn ACL and will be out for, like, six months. And he's arguably the best worker in the group, and I'll say he, that. He's not arguably. He is the best worker in that group. He yep. is a fantastic big guy who can fucking do anything. He can do anything. He is the best of that group. I would say him and Bray are the two brightest in that fucking group. Rowan, to me, sucks. Braun Strowman ain't much better. Well, Braun's got the size. I mean, he's just That's a, it. He's an attraction. A, Braun is just a big fucker. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, maybe he'll get better as time goes on, but, you know, we're still saying the same about Rowan. Maybe he'll get better as time goes on, and you know. But the only thing he does that I think is impressive is he used to do this fucking splash was like warrior splash where he'd fucking jump 20 feet in the air. Guy would get some fucking height coming down, let me tell you. But I don't know. I mean, I was I was a little confused at this. Maybe this is the start of of a new Wyatt push. We'll see. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. You you got to you can't push him any lower. So, next up was 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 it Baron Corbin out next or am I overshooting cuz I don't remember everything that happened last night. I do know that at one point Baron Corbin comes out and has a match. Well, we had a women's match. It was, I think, it was Sasha against Summer. Oh yeah, and she beat the fuck out of Summer. That was great. Yeah, it was that. that that's all I know. I, I love when she just slapped the fucking piss out of Summer, and Summer's like, "Oh, oh, you hit me in the face! Oh God!" Wow, you do not like Summer Ray, do you? I fucking hate that bitch. <laughs> We got we got Knowles with Maurice, and now you with Summer Rae. I think she's got a fucking witch's nose. I think she's an ugly bitch. I mean, she looks great from the neck down, but anything up up above the neck, and that bitch is fucking fugly looking. Damn. What do you think about? We got to mention Apollo Cruz being brought up and fucking up Tyler Breeze. Well, I, I didn't I didn't mind the fact that that uh, Tyler Breeze lost to Apollo Cruz. Because it made Apollo look good. I look, I'll be real honest. I of all the people in NXT, I didn't see that one happening right now. 
You know, I, I'm looking at the NXT roster and I'm thinking, who needs to come up from that roster and join the main roster? And Apollo Crews just wasn't on my list of people to do it. And I'm not saying that he doesn't deserve to be there. I think he's very talented. You know, maybe they do feel he's ready. Obviously, he made his debut on Raw last night. I'm telling you, he's going to get the machine behind him because they need a good African-American superstar. He's got the right look. He's not tall. I mean, him and Tyler Breeze are actually about the same fucking size. The difference is he's solid muscle, and Tyler Breeze is kind of scrawny. So he and Tyler Breeze are about the same size. They're they're both around. I think Ty, I think actually Apollo might be just under six feet. I don't think he's six feet tall. So he's probably about five eleven, five twelve, but he's built like a brick shit house. He's athletic. He can do fucking cruiserweight shit, but he's also got power moves. I think they're going to push him to the moon. It was a good debut for Apollo, and thank God they put him in there with Tyler Breeze. Because Tyler Breeze is great at, make, at making people look good. It's just well, a shame. It really is a shame that Tyler Breeze is being used as a jobber because that kid is so talented. Well, I mean, they had another good, big, talented black guy who they maybe could have pushed, but he made the mistake of drinking out of the white-only water fountain, and that was Titus O'Neil. You're getting all racial up in this piece. That's not what happened. Who will be back soon? When when you when you push the owner of the company, yeah, yeah, sixty days. Come on, hey, I, I, I'm with you on that. I don't I don't think he deserved that, but you know it is what it is. But yeah, good debut for Apollo Cruz. I think they're going to strap the rocket ship to that kid. I look for him to be Intercontinental Champion soon. M- more on that in a minute. <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, I don't know when Baron Corbin comes out, but I, I know that they did have him come out with the Andre uh, trophy, and he gets on the mic and says, if you don't know about him, he doesn't give a damn. He doesn't care about you anyway. And he had a match with somebody. It was it was Dolph. He had a match with Dolph Ziggler, and it was a pretty good back and forth, and then he just continu- he, he, he fucking killed Dolph. He hit him with the end of days on the outside of the ring after – uh, the referee counted to 10, and both men were counted out because they were brawling on the outside of the ring. And uh, he yells at the referee, this is on you, and then hits the end of days on the outside to uh, to poor Dolph, who, looked like, who who sold it like a million bucks. Dolph looked like he died. Yeah, he, he just – he's great. You know, he sells everything, and I, I don't know. It's he, he put – you know, he put Corbin over – I'm cool with that. I I don't know. We'll see where they go with Corbin. It's going to be interesting. He, he he's a great talker, like we said earlier. So I mean, I got no I got no issue with it. But I just again, poor Ziggler. He has to put guys over. It just sucks. I, I think it'll be a good transition for him because in NXT there wasn't a lot of guys that were his size. So yeah. maybe you put him in a feud with Kane, or you put him in a feud with the Big Show. I want to see him learn how to work with the big guys because oh that'd be great the big show he's he's great at fucking beating the shit out of little guys but i kind of want to see you know him get a little bit of uh a little bit used to to wrestling the bigger guys on the on the roster yeah me too that'd be great and kane kane is a guy who could really work with him i think if he works a few matches with kane i think kane could really teach him some teach him some shit because kane's a great big man 
And you've got a built-in storyline. He was he eliminated Kane from the Battle Royal. Exactly. So I, I kind of see that as his first big feud coming up. So we'll, we'll see if they do it. We had the whole clusterfuck that led to the main event where um, we had Zayn and Jericho and Styles and Owens all getting in each other's faces and Shane McMahon makes oh, a match. Oh, for no, them. no, wait, wait. You're, you're getting ahead of yourself. I actually liked how this played out. Okay. Let, let, let me say for the record, when Roman Reigns came out, and he was booed <laughs> quite, Again. quite nicely. When he got on the microphone, I actually liked what he said. I thought that that worked. I, and I think they could go somewhere with this. I think it was great. He says, I'm not a bad guy. I'm not a good guy. I'm the guy. And he holds the belt up. And I'm like, that is exactly how you should be right there, kid. That's exactly what you need to be doing. You need to be heelish, and you need to fucking play this shit up. And to me, that was very heelish. I, I have a feeling they're going to have to go there. I, I can't see you going any other way. And maybe start doing it slowly. Oh, yeah. Slowly is right. And we'll get to that once we get to the main event. But you know, I, I, I've, already, I've already got this figured out in my head how they should do it. Yeah, I've got some ideas, too, and I'm wondering if you and I are going to be close on this. I don't know. We shall see. So, I don't know. What, what was next? Well, we had an IC match, the Miz versus the new woo-woo-woo intercontinental champion, Zack Ryder. I, I, I do like the fact that he had his WrestleMania moment, and he talks about how he uh, – had a moment with Razor Ramon when he was a kid where he got to hold Razor's championship and get a pitcher. And then he talks about how Razor held his Intercontinental Championship and took a pitcher with him over the weekend, which was pretty cool. So Miz comes out. They have this match. During this match, the Miz gets in Zack Ryder's dad's face, to which... He either pushes him down or hits him or something. I don't. I can't remember. I was cooking dinner at that point, so I missed it actually happening. I had to see the replay. So, from this point, Maurice, Miz's wife, and former diva, goes over to the to uh, Zack Ryder's dad and slaps the fucking piss out of him. And Zack Ryder sees this and forgets he's in a match. Miz comes up from behind, hits the skull cut. The, the skull crushing finale. Say that five times fast, kids. And rolls up Zack Ryder for the one, two, three and becomes the new Intercontinental Champion. I was right again when I said his reign would be short lived. He'd lose it on Monday night. However, I did say Kevin Owens would use his rematch clause and get his title back, but that didn't happen. As Kevin Owens now has his set sight on the World Heavyweight Championship. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't like them. I never like when fast title changes like that. I mean, maybe you could add a little fun, letting ride. And I agree with you. I predicted it, too, that he wasn't going to keep it long. But maybe you could add a little fun with it, having Ryder keep it for a little bit. You know, even a month. Well, I'm, tell uh, I'm telling you right now, your next Intercontinental Champion is Apollo Crews. I'm telling you. they're strapping Not that I don't like the guy, but. No, they they're going to strap the rocket ship to this kid. So right now, The Miz has it. Fucking Apollo Crews will take it from The Miz. Might not be this month. It might not be next month. 
But by SummerSlam, Apollo Crews is your Intercontinental Champion. Mark my Mark tape. It's happening. Yeah, but that was another belt that was starting to get a little precedence with with Owens carrying it. I don't know. The, the Miz to me is just at this point. I and I used to be a huge Miz fan. It's through no fault of his own. I don't think. But it's like, ugh, really? You think he's going to hold that belt till SummerSlam? I do. Ugh, no. I do, but if he does keep it and people are chasing him for it, it's going to make that belt mean something. So, you know, I, I still think that even though Owens had some prestige into it, that Miz is not going to d- diminish it as long as as long as long he's defending the title and having quality defenses. I think it'll be fine. You know, it's a shame they had Santino fucking do this already. Bring out the Mizzometer. A month has gone by, and we instead of the honka meter, we got the Mizzo meter. And he's, you know, bragging. You know what? Now that I think of it, he could be just annoying enough to get it to the point where you'd kill to see him lose it. Like Honky Tonk Man. Mm, yeah, it could work. It could work. But I still don't think he's keeping it till SummerSlam. Yeah. We'll see. Time will tell. So what happened next? Well, we had the official presentation of the uh, women's title by Lita, and she gave it to Charlotte, and of course, Flair's out there, and Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks come out, and they, you know, they're pissed off, needless to say, and we get a little bit of a Donnybrook, where Natalia says that Charlotte needs to learn a lesson about humility, and she challenges Charlotte to a match, and Charlotte's like, fuck you. Natalia ends up putting her in the sharpshooter and Ric Flair saves her. So I don't know where this is going to go, but they are doing, I, I thought it was good. They're doing a good job of making this title seem important. And you got Natalia in the mix now. I'm fine with that. Well, I, the best part about this was, I thought it was great. Charlotte was, uh, was putting over the other girls, you know, was, was talking about how, you know, this is because of you guys and because of the the. I, I just thought that was great, and then she turned it into talking about herself, which everybody started walking away on. And um, I, I do see Natty getting a, a shot at this maybe next month or whatever. Again, Charlotte being the heel, there's a lot of babyface women that can be matched up against her for the time being, and maybe she'll have a nice run to SummerSlam. I think SummerSlam is your next really big show where some major things will happen. You might get a, a new Intercontinental Champion. You might get a new Women's Champion. You know, the world title can even change hands. You need to have those big shows like a SummerSlam, you know, where stuff like that does happen. Because really, in my opinion, you, the two biggest shows of the year, WrestleMania and SummerSlam, and of course the Rumble, which sets up other things. But your two big mainstay shows are WrestleMania and SummerSlam. Yeah, absolutely. SummerSlam has always been considered like the second WrestleMania. The WrestleMania of the summer. You're right. The second biggest show of the year. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just like, you know, Raw to me has been, I mean, it wasn't that bad, but I mean, it's still, there's so much. So there's a backstage segment with Sami Zayn. I think this happens now. If not, I'm getting ahead of myself. But he talks about how he's, you know, He's going to become the number one contender tonight in the Fatal 4-Way. And he gets beat down by Kevin Owens, who power bombs him through a table. We later find out that Sami Zayn's not medically cleared. 
and he's not going to be in this fatal four-way because the doctors won't clear him. And this is, I hope this isn't legit, but there were rumors circulating that he might have re-injured his shoulder, and if that's the case, he's fucked. No, I hope not. If, if Sami Zayn is got any kind of injury where he's he's going to be missing more time, he's fucked. I mean, it was bad enough it happened last time, but he's totally fucked if that happens. Yeah, I mean, two injuries in such a short time, just moving up to the main roster, that's, that's fucked up. That's, that, that's the death knell. Did you see the timekeeper botch in the fucking Dudleys versus Uso match? I was just about to get to that. <clears throat> that was, I was so behind the fucking Dudley boys for that. Bubba fucking went <laughs> off. Like, the Usos come off the top, and the Dudleys are both on tables. And they fucking move, and the Usos go through the tables through their own momentum, okay? To which the fucking ring bell rings, and then Lillian starts to make the, the announcement that the Dudley boys have won. Bubba grabs one of the Usos and throws them into the table that's set up in the fucking corner and breaks the table. And he gets on the, he goes, now we won the match. I put him through a table. What's wrong with you? And he's going off, and I'm like, good for you, Bubba. This is bullshit. So yeah, I fucking I went back and watched that match earlier because I just wanted to see that. <laughs> it was like. Oh, it was fucked up, dude. I was like, how do you make that mistake? I, I, like, I, I don't know. There, there were certain parts of Raw last night that was really good, and then there was some of it that just left me shaking my head like, what the fuck is going on? Because it seemed very disorganized. There was a lot of fucked up shit going on. What did you think about what happens next? Loved it. I, <laughs> I've, been, I've been waiting on my boys to finally make their debut. I was so fucking happy when that music hit. And out comes Enzo and Big Cass. And Enzo was just fucking stand-up comedian on the fucking Dudley boys. He was killing them last night. What was he said about Devon? He's like, you're so ugly the tears roll down the back of your fucking head. To avoid your face. I was dying. I was like, like Enzo using up all the good material tonight. What the fuck? You know, then Cass gets on there and says, if you don't like what he's saying, won't you come do something about it? Uh, I loved it. I, you know what? And the Dudleys teased they were going to go do it, and then they walked away. I think these guys are going to be just fine on the main roster. They're They're totally tailor-made to be uh, on the Raw roster, and I think they're going to do just fine. Obviously, their first feud is going to be with the Dudleys. That's a good team to start them with. Um, I'm looking forward to what Enzo and Kaz bring to the table. Does it seem to you that as much as they're revitalizing the women's division, they may be starting to think about getting the tag division in shape? God, I hope so. I mean, you got New Day. That's a, that's a pretty strong tag team. Any two of the, the members of the League of Nations, whether it's it's Alberto and Rusev or Sheamus and Alberto or Sheamus and any of those three guys, I think would do just fine. I'm hearing they're going to bring Epico and Primo back and repackage them. They're a solid tag team. Um, you still have the Ascension, but they don't. They're they're fucking useless at this point. They've completely destroyed the Ascension. Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're going to have some tag teams, but time will tell. I would love for them to put more emphasis on the tag teams like they like they have with the women. Um, it might be a few more years before that really happens, but I think they're off to a good start. 
Yeah, I think so too. I, I, man, do you see this match at the next pay per view? Enzo and, and Cass and the, and the Dudleys. Well, I think the next pay per view is Extreme Rules. Uh, no, isn't the next pay per view Payback? I don't know. Don't they have that Payback shit after Mania? It used to be Extreme Rules. Back in the day, it was Backlash. And right. Then it, and then it was Extreme Rules. And so I don't know. I don't know if it's Payback or I don't know. But I think we might see it at the next pay-per-view. They got time to build it up. I think so, too. I tell you, man, I, I was not happy with Zayn's replacement at all. Kevin Owens, AJ Styles, Chris Jericho, and of course, we all knew it, John fucking Cena. For the No, no, I'm only kidding. Are you trying guess, to kill people? Stop it. Guess who comes back, man? I, the fucking Swiss Superman, Antonio Cesaro. It was so great to see him back, man. Yeah, I popped huge for that as soon as yes. I heard the music. And I'm like, holy shit, it's about time. He looked, he looked fantastic. Uh, looked like a million bucks. He was ready to go. His cardio was off the fucking charts. Uh, you know what? There were some great spots. I did think he was doing that fucking roaring elbow a little too much, though. Uh, you know, when I'm seeing it three times on everybody, it's getting ridiculous. But you know what? The guy can go. I love me some Cesaro. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, all four of those guys I thought really delivered in the main event. To me, the only one that, that seemed like odd man out was Chris Jericho. Although I did love the fact that AJ hits the Styles Clash and pins Chris Jericho one, two, three, and becomes the number one contender to the World Heavyweight Championship. A lot of people will say, oh, See, that's why he lost at WrestleMania last night. That's not why he lost at WrestleMania. But as I said earlier, maybe that was a hum, uh, a, a, a humble test to see how he took the loss. And maybe now they're going to start rebuilding AJ. Even though AJ is now the number one contender, I don't see him winning that title. I don't think Roman Reigns is losing that belt anytime soon. We didn't get any explanation, did we, to why... I don't recall why Triple H wouldn't want to exercise a rematch clause. Well, we didn't hear from them at all. Well, I mean, I'm a, maybe, I don't know, maybe he was selling. I, that was, I mean, Stephanie, I can understand why she wasn't there because she got broken in half. But, I mean, it's not like Triple H got his ass kicked that bad. Well, the thing about Triple H is he doesn't have to cash in that rematch clause until he's ready to. Like, it doesn't have to be next month. If he wanted to, he could wait till WrestleMania. Or if he wanted to, he could wait till, like, SummerSlam and be like, I want my rematch. After you forget about it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it could be. So, I mean, it's all a matter of timing. I mean, right now, I think they're trying to phase the authority out slowly. My God, please. Which, which is a good thing. Um, look, overall, I, I thought the Raw, like I said, it had good points. It had bad points. I liked seeing all these new debuts. I was a little I was a little upset that when that mystery person came out that it was Cesaro. Not because I don't like Cesaro, but I really wanted Samoa Joe to be that guy. I wanted Samoa Joe in that match in the worst fucking way. I was really disappointed Samoa Joe did not debut last night on Raw. Of all the guys in NXT that are ready to be on the main roster, that guy should have already come to the main roster. Like, he should have never had to go to NXT to get a contract. Like, I really wanted to see Joe in that match last night. And I think it's just a matter of time before we do see him. 
So let me lay something out for you. I, I, I told you I was going to do this, and I have a way of doing this with Roman that will slowly turn him heel. As I mentioned, the Usos are starting to get booed. Roman is getting booed. Samoa Joe is the top heel on NXT right now. So your next pay-per-view match, AJ now gets the title shot. They have this fantastic match with Roman and AJ. Maybe you bump the ref if it's not a no DQ or it's not extreme rules or whatever. Whatever the stipulation is here, I don't know. I don't know what they're going for. But maybe Samoa Joe comes out during the match and interferes on Roman's behalf because of his past with AJ Styles, which leads to the formation of Roman's own Four Horsemen-esque group that involves Samoa Joe and his cousins, the Usos. Now you have a buffer between Roman and his challengers, just like Ric Flair did as the leader of the Four Horsemen. Those guys were put together to keep that title on Ric Flair. Now you've got the Roman Empire, which consists of all Samoans that are keeping that title on Roman Reigns and in turn are going after their own specific championships. Maybe Joe goes after the U.S. title. The Usos go after the tag titles. And get them, and we got... And then you have the Roman Empire. Yup, everyone with gold. You You bring Tamina and Naomi into the fold, and either one of them can go after the women's title because Naomi is married to one of the Usos, and Tamina is Snooka's daughter, which means she's related to them. You've got a whole family faction that could be the Roman Empire right there, ready built to fucking keep the title on reins to be the next legacy in this business. Right there. Boom. Is Rikishi too loved to come out and be kind of the manager role? Maybe even... No, he's not. He's not. In fact, he's actually said Roman Reigns should go heel. (laughs) You could even bring Rikishi in and, and, and be the mouthpiece. The only thing to. is, though, I don't think they'll bring up the Samoa Joe AJ pass because it was in TNA. Oh, no. I'm sure that they would. They wouldn't say it was in TNA. They'd just yeah, say it was, but, it was but, on the indies. But keep in mind, they also feuded in ROH. Like, it's not just True. TNA that they have a history. True. But what I'm saying is, would, would that not be fucking awesome to have Samoa Joe go out there and cost AJ? And you're like, what the fuck is he doing? allowing Roman to get it, and then you see all these guys together and you realize what's coming. I just, I just think a heel Samoan group with these fucking guys and even the girls could, could be something major if they played and, this out correctly. And the name's built in. It's beautiful, the Roman Empire. Because when I think of the Roman Empire, I don't think of a good guy because the Romans were not good people. No, they were fucking conquerors. So, again... Why use the Roman Empire if you're not going to fucking form a, a, a faction out of it and fucking have all these Samoans together? And, and, you know, again, it's like the Four Horsemen. You're keeping fucking Roman Reigns as the champion because now he has backup. And maybe, if see, if you're going to get rid of the authority, I don't know who, like, the person in charge of Raw would be. But maybe you even have some deal where, like, they all just beat. Maybe this is how you get rid of Triple H for a little bit. They all just beat the fucking shit out of him. Like a week after this happens, Triple H comes out and says, "I'm in charge. I'm not going to have this shit." 
and all of them come out, and I mean, I'm sure Trips wants a vacation anyway, and he are, he deserves it. Let him work on NXT. But 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 think about think about the challengers for Roman Reigns as a heel. Okay. Oh, it's infinite. You've got AJ Styles. You've got Sami Zayn if he comes back from injury. You've got Cesaro. You've got Seth Rollins when he comes back. There's so many baby faces, you know, that you could do something with. Ambrose. Ambrose is another one. Like, <laughs> baby face Roman Reigns, there's not a lot of heels. We're going to see Big Show. We're going to see Bray Wyatt again. Are we going to see uh, Brock Lesnar is, is a baby face. So, you know, there's another one for him. Like, you've got more challengers as a heel than you do as a baby. Shit, you run with that for a year. You definitely... You, you run with that for a year, and you build to next year's WrestleMania with John Cena versus Roman Reigns. I was going another direction, but that works, too. But what about... See, the problem is this would be huge, but we're talking part-timers again. What if a month or two before WrestleMania, The Rock comes back? And says, listen, I've been sitting at home, you know, for the past however months and, and just not being able to believe what I'm seeing. You know, my family, how they've stooped to these this low and blah, blah, blah. And what if WrestleMania 33, to try to regain the honor of his family, you have The Rock versus Roman Reigns? That works too. <laughs> you, you See, what I'm starting to see your point is how much upside there is to him as a heel roman reigns and and let the fans organically turn him when the time is right he can be a good baby face but right now he's just not there you know and i hear people when jr says it you know it makes sense when stone cold steve austin says it, it makes sense but you know when some stupid fucking hick from the stick says it like me people are like oh it's fucking bullshit whatever those guys know more about wrestling than any of us do that's their fucking life. They've lived it. They've fucking been in the, in, in the business doing that shit. They're not wrong. See, but what I'm worried about is the way today's fans is. You form this Roman Empire. They start beating motherfuckers down. And they immediately get cheered. Immediately. <laughs> Within a week. You know what? So what? <laughs> so what if they do? You have Roman cut this promo about how these people fucking turn, turn their back on him. And they don't mean shit to him. Like, you, you know... Anytime the fans come out and fucking cheer you and you're a heel, go out and fucking go out of your way to fucking, you know, bring them down some more. Eventually, though, he'll win them over. Yeah, The Rock used to come out and tell people to shut up that they were worthless pieces of shit and they cheered him louder. This ain't sing along with the champ. You know, Stone Cold, same thing. You know, he didn't acknowledge the fans at first when they cheered the shit out of him. I don't need you people cheering me. Yeah. Yay! You know, yeah. it's weird. It's fucking weird. The old formula of heel, except in like the case of Bailey, the old formula of heels and baby faces just don't work no more. It worked with Daniel Bryan, but again, it was generic. And you could even go so far as to say if you want to eliminate babies and heels, you have him, you know, run down the middle. To some people, they consider him a good guy. To some, they consider him a bad guy. He'll take on anybody. Kevin Owens wants a title shot? Hey, come on. Let's do this. I'm fine. Either way, I just don't like him as a babyface right now. 
And the fans don't buy him as a baby face. And they don't want him to be the guy that's pushed down their throat. Yeah, go all out. Have have Roman and the Usos dress a little better. Not not maybe suits, but maybe like some blazers, sunglasses, you know, make them look cool. They're like this they're almost like this Samoan gang. They're like a gang. It, 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 oh man, it'd be so great. It would work beautifully. Oh. And you've got all the guys in place already who could do it. Yeah, and the pa- the packaging is there. The Roman Empire. That's it. Without a doubt. You fucking like maybe in in their entrance video, you take like one of the sta- like one of those famous statues from Rome, but you put Roman's face on it. I mean, go all out. No doubt. Well, we do have some emails before we get out. All right, cool. So, believe it or not, people actually did respond to uh, to my plea to send us their emails. So, we are going no. to jump right into that. If I can be serious for a minute, without being interrupted. Kentucky Long Rifle, what is that, an email? Can I have your attention, please? I've just received an email. This one comes to us from uh, from DJ. Sup, Jeff and Tony. I ain't gonna lie, that was one of the weirdest pay-per-views I've ever seen in a while, booking-wise. It was pretty awful. Show-wise, it had what we expected. Fireworks popping out of the sides... When the roof wasn't open, so people who played all that cat or people who paid all that cash couldn't see it. As for the matches, my attention was on the Brock versus Dean match. What the fuck was that shit? Eight minutes of really much of nothing. Disappointed the absolute fuck out of me. Shane versus Taker was an okay match. Just questionable booking once again. We had Dancing Grannies one year before. Rock versus Cena. The year we had Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders before The Rock showing up, he then spent the budget blowing The Rock name up. <laughs> he can still go. Sean looks in ring shape. Austin, too. Foley, not a chance in hell. Mania gets a 5 out of 10. Just bad booking. The crowd was out of it after Shane versus Taker. And match of the night was the Divas, hands down. DJ, they're not Divas. They're women. Don't objectify them that way. But you're right. Match of the night was, in fact, the women's match. Well, we got one emailer who thinks both of us are fucking idiots because he disagreed with everything. Oh, no, wait. He actually agreed with everything we said. <laughs> that never happens. No. Once and I, I think I, I just looked out my window, and I think it is a lunar eclipse. So could explain it. It could be. Uh, we got another email uh, discussing WrestleMania and NXT TakeOver thoughts. This one is from Rob Craig. Good evening, gentlemen, from jolly old England. Oh, good. He's from England. That's even better. Mm-hmm. It's Rob Craig here from the home of Preston City Wrestling, Preston, England. I've been listening to the network since the Wrestling News Live days, and I just want to say you guys do an amazing job and help my journeys to work go a little bit quicker. I'm a longtime fan from back in the early 90s, and when my favorite wrestlers were the Ultimate Warrior, Jake the Snake Roberts, and of course, the British Bulldog, Davy Boy Smith. I was always a storyline guy back then. A match had to tell a good story in the ring to get me invested in the outcome. Anyway, I digress. I don't want to go on a long trip down memory lane. Here are some of the thoughts on the big wrestling weekend. 
I thought the NXT show was the best show I saw on the weekend. The tag match was a good opener with a few botch spots, but the right team won for me as I'm a big fan of Jordan and Gable. Were there crisp moves and double team moves? I will never forget the reception they got at that live show I attended in Blackpool last year. It was amazing. The Zayn versus Nakamura match was one of the was off the charts exciting. The fan reaction was unbelievable for both guys. The match was stiff and hard hitting as I thought it would be. I've been a big Nakamura fan for years due to his work in New Japan and his charisma in the ring is excellent. Sami Zayn was awesome as ever and more than held his own. The women's match was great, I have to say. Asuka is a bona fide star due to her physical charisma and being genuinely scary at times, just with a smile. Yeah. Bailey is always excellent as the plucky champion refusing to tap out and going out like a true champion. The main event was very intense due to the blood from the inadvertent headbutt at the start. Joe was made to look like a killer in the match, and Finn just about escaped with the title. All in all, a great show. Mania for me was a weird show with some strange booking decisions. It was a bit too long for me, which was a struggle staying up until 4.30 a.m. UK time. Shit. The women's match was was match of the night for me. All three girls worked their asses off in a great match with a clunky ending. Why did AJ lose to Jericho? Was a decent match nevertheless. Well, if you listened earlier, my synopsis on that one, Rob, is that that was Vince McMahon's way of sticking it to TNA Wrestling, considering AJ was the franchise of that company for years. It was the face of... TNA for many, many years. And he did the same thing with Sting last year when they had Triple H go over Sting, who was the franchise face of WCW. So that that's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. The Hell in the Cell was okay for me, but the Shane bump off the cage was absolutely nuts. But his offense wasn't the greatest, and I feel Taker should just hang it up. He's been a legend, and he's been struggling out there with his in-ring cardio, which is making his matches slow and a bit ponderous. The main event was a bit dull for me apart from the Triple H entrance, which was great and being totally over the top with Steph channeling Sigourney Weaver from Ghostbusters. (laughs) I I could see that, too. The match just didn't get uh, going for me, and I find Roman Reigns boring as hell. Anyway, I won't keep you up any more time. Just to say British Wrestling lost a good guy last week called Chris Travis to stomach cancer last week. He was a great up-and-coming wrestler and a good guy and will be missed. Thanks for reading. Regards, Robert Craig. Yeah, I heard about uh, Chris Travis. Um, I don't know a lot about him, but but I heard he was uh, he was quite the guy. So young, young guy too. He was like in his thirties, I think. I, that is, I wish they would find a cure for cancer. Actually, I take that back. They they have a cure for cancer. You're just you're never going to get it because big pharma's got to make their money. Yeah, as long as there's money in the treatment, that's the way it's going to be. And that sucks, but I wish uh, I wish we could eradicate cancer, and uh, it really is fucking horrible. I've seen so many people die of cancer. It's just it's ridiculous. Yeah, same here. It's 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 crazy. I I, I don't know. Well, thank you, Rob, for the email. We appreciate it. Appreciate you listening to us all the way from the UK. And once again. <laughs> Another email that was sent way before we started doing this show, and again, basically echoed all our sentiments. We're not all crazy. No. Or if we are, then it's not just us. There's a lot of people that are crazy, I guess. Yeah. This one comes to us from Sandro. 
Hey, JJ and Bronx. Sandro here with my thoughts on this past weekend. Sorry if this is too long. First off, NXT TakeOver was great. It's too bad the women's match had to go on after the Nakamura Zayn match. It was still a good match. It was also great to see Abushi and Rude in the crowd. Now, Mania thoughts. First off, Lana looked fantastic. Yes, she did. <clears throat> yes, she did. I mean, wow. And she did well for a short time while she was in the ring. Main show thoughts. Ladder match was great. Didn't like Ryder winning, but still enjoyed the match. I had zero problem with the Styles-Jericho match. The match was great, and I don't understand the butthurt from the IWC claiming AJ was buried because he lost the match. He has more wins over Jericho up until that match. I hear what you're saying. I don't think that he was buried, but I don't think it was necessary for AJ to win that match. Or I don't think it was necessary for Jericho to have won the match. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't. Buried is the furthest word from my mind, but still, I mean, it made no sense. I, to, to me, again, it was Vince McMahon getting his jollies on AJ. It was his way of kind of putting TNA in check. I mean, you've got, you've got the guy that was a franchise. He might not have been there the last two or three years, but when you think of TNA wrestling, if you don't think of AJ Styles, then you're probably not an old school TNA fan. Yeah, AJ and Jarrett probably are the two that pop into my mind when you mention TNA. It was awesome seeing New Day in, in Dragon Ball Z Saiyan armor. The match was fun. I had no problem with the legends coming out and doing their thing. If the IWC actually listened to the crowd, you can hear them loving the segment. It was funny. I was laughing my ass off seeing the New Day trying to get the legends to dance. Didn't have a problem with Austin stunning Woods because that's what he does. And the crowd loved it. No, I'm with you. Like, like I said, the only questionable booking that I had there was New Day getting beat by the League of Nations. But I understood why they did what they did. I fucking love the segment with HBK and Austin and, and Foley. I thought it was fantastic. And the crowd was digging it. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. No, what's funny about that? My sister was here watching with us, and she loves the fucking New Day. And when Austin is there with Xavier, I'm like, Dina, he's going to get stunned. No, no, you know, she really didn't watch back in the day. No, no, why would he do that? He wouldn't do that. I'm like, I'm telling you, it's coming. <laughs> and then when it came, she's like, holy shit, you were right. <laughs> By this point, my feed wasn't working well, so I can't give my full thoughts on Ambrose Lesnar and the three-way women's match, but I don't. But I didn't understand when, when Dean lost. He had all this momentum going into WrestleMania, as well as getting put over by Foley and Funk too. Have him lose after all that was all for nothing, in my opinion. Glad to hear people praise the women's match. So I'm looking forward to watching that. Not upset with Charlotte retaining, but I'm sick of hearing the IWC complain about Rick stealing Charlotte's spotlight, which he isn't. He barely talks on the mic in the last several weeks. The cell match I didn't care for for this match when it was announced. It was a car crash as it should be. I was cringing when Shane jumped off the cell. Battle Royal was a filler match but was fine. Surprise seeing Corbin winning. I think he'll do well on the main roster. Was confused with the Rock segment but was glad to see Cena in the ring. Don't care about Bray anymore. Not saying he was buried that night but he's been uninteresting in the last several weeks. <coughs> Main event by this point, I was getting tired, and the match started at 11.15. It ended at 11.40. I didn't care about the match anymore, and all I was thinking was, God damn it, in the show already. 
I have to get up early in the morning. Once the match ended, I turned off my laptop and went to bed. Quick thoughts on Raw. Thought it's too soon to bring up Apollo Crews. Don't get me wrong. I've seen him on the indies. He's great in the ring. But he can't talk on the mic and has zero personality. He hasn't improved in the last few weeks on NXT TV. Just hope he doesn't get lost in the shuffle. Great to see the Jersey Boys. They should do fine. I don't see the VOD villains doing well in the main roster. They'll be fine for the first couple of weeks. But I feel after that, they'll be in the same spot as the Ascension. Was glad Joe Bailey and Balor's group didn't debut on the main roster. That's a mixed bag. I agree with a lot of your points, but Joe is the one guy who is the most ready to be there of any of them. I think the Vaudevillains will end up being the Ascension 2.0. They will be the jobber tag team to the stars. Their gimmick works at NXT. It will not translate well on the main roster. I completely agree with you. As far as as far as Balor, uh, as far as uh, Finn Balor, I don't want to see him on the main roster anytime soon. Because I have lots of thoughts on Finn uh, that he needs to improve. I, again, I think he's a fantastic wrestler. I think he's uh, he's a good character. But my biggest problem with Finn Balor is he needs to be a Jekyll and Hyde character. When he's just Finn Balor and he's wearing the jacket to the ring and he's babyface, he should work like a babyface. When he taps into the demon character, he should be Mr. Hyde. He should be the demon. His mannerisms should be different. When he's channeling a demon and he's wearing the, the, the fucking paint, he should be more aggressive and his demeanor should be completely different. That's just, that's just my opinion. But, <laughs> but, I mean, think about it. If you're the demon, if you're channeling, because they always do this, oh, he's channeling the demon. If you're channeling the demon, you're not doing the same shit you're doing when you're not channeling the demon. When you're not in the fucking body paint, you're not channeling a demon. But now all of a sudden, when you're in the body paint, you're supposed to be this different character, but nothing you do is different. You're still doing the same shit you do as the babyface, right? So if you're going to fucking do this whole, he's the demon for special events, then fucking make that mean something. Give him a Jekyll and Hyde character where he turns into the demon and it takes everything he has to control the demon. But the demon does things that face Finn Balor doesn't do. I mean, does that make sense? So when he's Finn Balor, he's having these great technical matches, and when he's the demon, he goes out there and kills motherfuckers. Yeah, he's ruthless. I mean, he's still trying to win the match. But he does some weird fucking shit. Like, his, his moveset will adapt when he's the demon. Maybe he's the demon. He's pummeling some guy, and the ref is trying to pull him off. And then suddenly he grabs his head and for a second looks around like he doesn't really know where he is. And then all of a sudden he closes his eyes and does that shit with his chin where it makes the demon look like his mouth is opening and closing. And boom, he's the demon again. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, it makes sense, though, right? I mean, I'm not, I'm not crazy yeah. for thinking that, right? I like that. I, it never came to my mind. I like that. Maybe he could have a dual, one of the first guys ever have a dual baby face heel persona. You know, like when, when he taps into that, when he taps into the demon, it takes everything out of him, and, and he becomes something different. And you know that he really takes it to that next level when he turns into the demon. Like, he, he pulls everything out. He, he goes up another, uh, another gear, another notch. 
I just I, to me that that's that's uh, Harmony disagrees with me. She she thinks that's a horrible idea. I love it, man. Imagine him even cutting a promo as Finn Balor and he's talking blah 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 blah, and then maybe he just reaches up to his face for something and when he pulls his hand down, there's a little bit of face paint on him, and his hand just starts shaking and the interview's over. Oh man, no, I love it. There's so many possibilities. All right, let me get back to his email. I just went off on a tangent there. <laughs> Overall, this year's WrestleMania uh, wasn't as great. No, wait. Overall, this year's WrestleMania was as great as WrestleMania 30 and 31. I disagree. But it was all right. Oh, he's saying it wasn't. I thought he said it was. No. That... Hang on. Let me, let me read this verbatim. Overall, this year's WrestleMania was as great as WrestleMania 30 and 31. But it was all right. I'm not understanding what you're saying, Sandro. I'm thinking he might have meant, well, I'll have to get in touch with Sandro. I think he might have meant to say wasn't and mistyped, maybe is spell correct or something. Yeah, that, that's what I'm thinking too. Okay, so, but it was all right. The only thing I was angry about was the show being too long. Uh, uh, dude, agree. Agree. That show was fucking 15 hours long and it shouldn't have been. That was like two fucking WrestleManias. That's how long it was. Back-to-back, two WrestleManias. I mean, I only watched the main WrestleMania part, and still, man, it was like four hours and 45 fucking minutes. So people need to relax or get laid. Everyone was so angry about the show ending with Roman winning. Vince is dead set with him being the star. We can't do anything about it, and like Batista said, we all have to deal with it or just stop watching. You can vent your frustration on the show, but it won't do anything. Vince doesn't care what you think. He already has your money, and he'll do what he wants until he dies. Looking forward to hearing the archive, and I'm sure I'll make some people angry with this, but I don't give a fuck. Take care, guys. Nor should you. You're entitled to your opinion, just like I don't give a fuck if I piss people off. So, no worries, Sandro. Well, I have no no illusions, even though I think that somewhere in the deep recesses of my ego and common sense that there is some guy on the WWE payroll who listens to all these podcasts but I have no illusions that any, nothing we say is going to change. You know, it's not going to change anything that, that they fucking do. But on the other hand, we have a right to, we all have a right to voice our opinion. You know, this show isn't about trying to change the WWE. It's about, because it'll never happen. It's about, you know, just giving scenarios. No doubt. Uh, final email comes from L Train, and then we got to wrap things up. Uh, hey, yo, guys been quite a while since i've gotten gotten to email into sns finally getting a chance to catch up on some of the past episodes and enjoying them a lot seems like it's been quite a difficult thing for WWE fans to do as as of the past year or so now a heads up as i haven't been watching in the past 10 months due to a mixture of work as well as just the enjoyment of the business that's all been squashed down also probably a lengthy email you guys are killing me with the novels tonight <laughs> The frustrations of people who have been waiting for the next legit stars to finally get their rise to be the headliners, yet continuously are cast aside for past stars due to the WWE's lack of build to many of these wrestlers people actually want to see, and therefore makes the E think they need to dip back into the well of their biggest names, even at the expense of their current wave of talent. Example, WrestleMania 28, Rock, 29, Rock. 30, Batista, 31, Lesnar, 32, Triple H. A straight five-year run of part-timers either in the main event of Mania or competing for the WWE title. 
Great morale for the guys trying to reach that next level. Some of the mania moments that have been that have been the big buzz. Jericho versus Styles. I was very surprised that AJ didn't get the win, but in the long run, it doesn't entirely kill Styles as much in the fact that Jericho can still be a believable threat of an opponent. Yes, this should have ended the feud, but I do feel it will pan out well with ev- when everything is said and done. Lesnar versus Ambrose. This outcome bewildered me to almost no end. Dean Ambrose is fucking crazy. As dangerous as Lesnar is, this match should have been the beginning of Dean's ascension to higher points, a la Seth Rollins cashing in for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship or Roman Reigns reclaiming the title back in December on Raw. All this loss does is seemingly lump Dean into the same level as the Wyatts, where even though they've easily been on the grand level, they're never allowed to reach it. Which brings me to Bray and family. So let me see if I understand this correctly. The WWE splits up the Wyatt family, reunites them with new added muscle, and they are just used as fodder on the biggest stage of the entire year. Dusty Rhodes may very well be rolling over in his grave at how the Wyatt family has been displayed ever since WrestleMania 30. This group should be one of two things. Eyes are the most monstrous human beings you can think of in this company and most over face group as early as this past summer. The very foundation of Bray being backwoods cult leader and being very anti-government and establishment would make for easy booking of the Wyatts versus the Authority. Bray should be an enigma wrapped in a juggernaut, not a bully who goes too far in trouble, and his family should be vicious disciples, not his lemmings who get picked apart from almost every turn. (coughs) The biggest one of all so easily is Roman. Now this one, I honestly don't believe, is all Roman to blame. I even recall from the 2014 SNS coverage of the Royal Rumble where Roman Reigns was one of the most popular guys even when the Shield was still together, flash forward to now, and we see some of the biggest issues. Bad promos and being pushed above what many would consider better talents. This would be more issues from the E, which is very similar to the problems WCW had. Instead of letting Roman go out there and be himself, they want him to have the charisma of The Rock mixed in with the catchphrase-like tendencies of John Cena. Roman is actually good on the mic when he's able to be cool, calm, and collected and be himself, not stuck in the character they want him to have. His in-ring is also good, not at the highest levels, but as an improvement that just needs more refining. But by blatantly disregarding what the fans have been wanting or clamoring for, they have succeeded in in, in making Roman Reigns the next John Cena. Their image of what a wrestler should be if it's not even the vast majority of what fans want. I feel for Roman because even though I know he's making a very good pay, having to endure that type of hatred when you actually are trying with the shit that he gives you to work with must be frustrating. But hey, at least Vince is lining his own pockets with cash again. Well, those are my 200 cents. Catch you guys later. And my inbox has just been unplugged. Peace, guys. L-Train. Good email. A lot of good points, too, Trey. I agree with a lot of what you said. Yeah, I mean that's the black and the white of it. It's it's you know, I agree with everything he said. I, I you know, I, I can't disagree that they're not in the process of building new stars. Every time they start to build new stars, they have to dip back in the well. Here's the problem, I think. It's not that they they had a problem building new stars for a while, but I think they've gotten over that. Here's what they need to do next. Start having confidence in their new fucking stars. 
That's the problem. You've built them. You've built the Wyatts. You've built Dean Ambrose. You've built, you know, guys like Dolph Ziggler, or he built himself. But now you have to start having the balls to have the confidence in them and not have to bring in a Taker and a Rock and a Stone Cold and a Shawn Michaels every year. But they're afraid. I don't know. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but uh, I think that's going to do it, bro. I think we've uh, we've gone long enough tonight, pushing three and a half hours here, almost four. Oh, we're, we're pushing three hours and forty five minutes. Holy fuck, man! You know, again, this happened in the Facebook chat. JJ, I don't want to go three hours tonight. It, it, I give up. I'm, I'm, it's a waste of time. I said okay, and then you're like, I don't care if we go long tonight. Yeah, fuck it. I, I start getting into it with you, and that's it. The problem is we don't do shows as frequently as we used to. So when we go on a fucking tirade, we go on a fucking tirade. Jesus Christ! Another 15 minutes, and we would have no, we wouldn't have tied WrestleMania. It was five hours. But if we did this show three more times, we would actually be longer than WrestleMania. Here's what I'm going to do. How about we loop this show into one big file where it plays three times? Because, you know, in, in an alternate universe somewhere, WrestleMania is still going on. Just say it. It's all dead. Yeah. You know, you know what they'll do? Well, we've got 101,000 dead bodies out there who haven't eaten in days. Well, you know, man, it's been fun. I'm, I'm glad we got a chance to to get a couple of things off our chest. And I'm sure that there's people that listen to this show that think we're snarky snarks and whatever. I don't give a fuck what you think about me personally. I, I'm putting my opinion out there. And if you don't like it, you don't like it. I don't give a fuck. And check it out. I We haven't even released a podcast yet. And 120,000 people have downloaded it. That's amazing. I'm telling you, man. It's the future of podcasting right there. I, I, I'm, I'm shocked by that. I'm shocked by the 50 emails we had. Yeah, keep those coming. Definitely keep those those emails coming to snsradiounplugged at yahoo.ca. If you like the show, let us know. If you have thoughts, let us know. But on that note, we're going to get the fuck out of here. Happy trails, motherfuckers. On behalf of Tony J. Mirabella, Bronxzilla himself, I am Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson, and we'll see you next time for another thrilling edition of Unplugged. Who knows what the fuck we'll talk about. Maybe we'll talk about who died on The Walking Dead or who we think died on The Walking Dead. That might be for another show. But happy trails, my friends. Happy trails. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, you're cool, and fuck you, I'm out.